0: Bam, we're live.
1: Awesome. Where are you? I'm in my guest bedroom.
0: <laughs> Good audio. I like the audio. Smooth. Yeah, I set up a little
1: podcast studio in here. Not
0: tinny. Uh this isn't for you, Greg. You could pick your nose or do whatever you want. This will only take 15 seconds. Guys, paperstreetcoffee.com, 20% off if you use uh sevon as the code. And every single person who makes a purchase between now and March 27th gets Uh, entered into a contest to win a free barbell from Rogue. This is the shit I drink. I mean that word shit affectionately. Thank you. And if my sponsors do well, I do well. And if I do well, my kids go to more jujitsu classes. And they'll be nice to your daughters. All right. I can't believe you're on the show. Dude, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Dude, you did it. I know I'm no. late to the game. I know I'm late to the game, but uh, you did it. You you did what thousands of other people have told me that they couldn't do because they had a mortgage or they were scared or they had a family to feed or but you, you did you holy shit, you did it. You it's like it's like um I wish I had the guy working the back end right now so we could pull up the word integrity and we could read the definition, but you are you're like the living embodiment of
1: integrity. Man, it was It's kind of weird though, because like when I did that video and when I said those things, you know, everybody was like, Greg, what are you doing, man? Be careful. Yeah, what are you doing? You're going to lose your job, dude. Shut up. And and this is what everybody kept saying. We agree with you. Like, (laughs) yes. Like, Greg, listen, I agree with what you're saying, but you can't say that. And I was like, that's the problem right there. That's the problem. Everybody's pretending to be a certain way, even though behind closed doors every cop that I knew, every person in my chain of command was in a hundred percent agreement with me. And so for me, it was really like, it wasn't a hard decision for a cop to stand up and say he supports people's liberties and he's going to stand behind his oath. Like, shouldn't every cop be saying that? And so, they should. yeah, it, it wasn't an abstract, not just idea. every
0: cop, not just every cop it, for every cop that stands up and says that. There should be five. And this is a huge problem I have with society. There should be five citizens who stand in front of his house and say, we support this guy as a vigil. Exactly. It's a partnership between the citizenry, citizenry and the police. I pull my trash cans out on Friday or on Wednesday because the garbage man's coming. That's a partnership I have with those guys. I don't oh, yeah. park in front of my mailbox as a partnership with the po- with the with the mail company so that their job is easy and no one wants to do the, not no one. A lot of people don't want to do the partnership with police. I'm like what the fuck is wrong with you?
1: I don't know, man, but I feel like there's always this ebb and flow of the relationship that the public holds with with law enforcement and it gets skewed mainly in my opinion by by media and by politicians. Of course. I knew that we were on the verge of having our reputations as a profession tarnished. And, uh, that's one of the reasons I was like, dude, if we don't stand behind the people on this one, it's going to go bad and it could go bad quickly. And then, you know, two weeks later it was the George Floyd thing and everybody hated cops for the next 18 months, but they like them again now. So I guess that's a good thing. Oh man. We have so much to talk about.
0: I, are, 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 do you, are you affiliated with the political party at all like are you a democrat or a republican or a libertarian
1: no no well, i mean my my views align more with libertarian than anybody mm-hmm. else but you know obviously as more of a conservative person i find myself voting republican more often than not but it's funny because like when i bring up things about like tulsi gabbard Dulcie mm-hmm. Gabbard says some very good things and if I say that as a conservative people are like why the fuck do you support her and I'm like guys that's all that's what the problem is in my opinion it's like I don't care necessarily what your political views are I want the words that are coming out of your mouth to be congruent with how you feel in your heart then we're, then us as citizens are going to have a good idea of what you bring to the table as a person and, mm-hmm. and make that voice. If you're the right person, if you're the right fit to serve our community, but we never get that anymore. We get, when people, you say
0: your heart, what do you mean by that? That's always a word that trips me up. Cause I don't really, I don't, what does that mean? Your heart?
1: I mean, like what you feel inside of yourself behind closed doors, when you're sitting in your own bed at night, thinking about different issues or, or, you know, some of the political landscape, the, the 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 things that people are dealing with as politicians, they don't say on a public platform what they believe to be the truth. They say what they think is going to garnish the most votes or what's going to appease their lobby their lobbyists. Like they're going to say the things that are going to help their political party or help them stay in power. They're not going to say the things that they think are true and correct. That's why, what do we see every single time during an election cycle, they say one thing. And then as soon as elections are done, they flip flop. And that's been happening my whole life, but I feel like it's getting worse and worse as time goes on.
0: It is getting worse and worse. Look at this. Look at this. Holy shit. Caleb. Hi. Is it okay to show your face for a second, Caleb?
1: Well, I see it. <laughs> you,
0: can't. <laughs> you can't hear me. Caleb, I know you I don't know if you can hear me or not, but I didn't know you were gonna come on today. I'm gonna send you the show notes, okay? I should have sent them to you as default. I'm a jackass. Thanks for coming on, dude. You're a beast. Oops. He, I think he was just about to say something and I fucking sent them away. Caleb Beaver. What a great name. His 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 name is C Beaver. Isn't that awesome? I just can't get in that. It, it's um when I, when I first started messing with CrossFit, uh, I was 34 years old and and I never heard of a snatch and a jerk and those things. And I just remember it took me years for the child in me not to chuckle every time I heard those
1: words. And now hey, I've been working hey, with Kay for a year and I can't get over his name, C Beaver. Have you ever seen that meme that says, shouldn't it be jerk and then clean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I think I heard Annie Sakamoto do some rendition of that once. Uh. Um, Greg. Oh shit! Now I sent away my I sent away my notes. No, I, I can open them here to send Greg Anderson. Okay, Greg. Can you um uh, can you paint the um picture for me a little bit um of of the build up to that? For those of you who don't know, um, Greg. Greg's uh has reinvented himself many many times. He is uh man. I'd like to talk to his mom. I think he was born just shot out of a cannon. Um, and he has been just a go getter from as far back as I could research him uh, when, he, when he entered the military. But then at some point, um, life brought him to Washington State where he worked for the police department at the Port of Seattle. Is that correct? Correct, yep. And uh, there is where um, the, uh, his bosses were asking him to do things where, um, that he didn't feel were appropriate. And not only did he take a stand for himself, but he made an address while sitting in his police car to all of the police in the United States and the world uh on on some level can you tell us like the the, the build-up of that and what happens so then as we go forward in the podcast people understand why i'm so enamored by you i mean i've been talking about you for i've only been doing this podcast a year but i bring up your name all the time because i just can't believe what you did i mean I, and, no, and people owe you people owe you
1: no nobody owes me
0: well they I'll, don't they don't owe you in the sense from your perspective but they owe you from the sense of my perspective
1: i'll take it okay, back so to to when I went into the military. So I grew up in Washington state and that's why I'm here. This is, this is my home. I've lived here. I was born here. And so. Funny how you have to justify that, but I fully understand that I'm in I, California. I, kinda, I feel like I have I to kinda, justify it every time. Uh, but no, I went into the military at 18 and it wasn't because of some patriotic duty or some like deep calling. Really, it came down to, I didn't know what the fuck I wanted to do with my life. And I knew I hated school, and I knew I liked fighting and partying and being wild. And I was like, you know what? This seems like a a good outlet for me to just go get some experience and get out of the house. And for whatever reason, why did you hate
0: school? You seem like one of the qualities that I picked up about you is that you're a good friend. Um, Didn't you like the friendship part of going to school and making friends and like hanging out with your
1: homies? School school for me was a hundred percent social hour. Okay, And, and it's it's funny that you say that because. I would work out with the jocks after school and then I'd go skating with the skaters and then I could, you know, I could hang out with the stoners. and It was, I was able to have like to mesh with all the different groups. So I loved high school for the social aspect of it, but I just hated the actual work itself. My brain never. And I mean, I ended up getting my bachelor's years later and I can tell you, even though I did it and I did well, I didn't enjoy it. That's not. Yeah, my I brand. didn't,
0: I didn't enjoy, I didn't enjoy that part of school either, but I loved going. I liked the girls and I liked the boys <laughs> and I could be friends with anyone. Too. I could be friends. With, I wanted to be friends with anyone, the goth, the jocks. I just wanted to hang with, I wanted to know everyone's story.
1: Yep. No, same with me, man. That's funny. But anyways, I ended up going in the military and for whatever reason, you no, know, I just like, I want to do something really hard. If I'm going to go in, I might as well do something hard. And I said, I want to be a ranger or a seal. And the weird thing is I didn't even really know what either of those were other than what you see on movies and whatnot. But uh, yeah, ended up getting, a, getting into the Army and went and did their, their ranger program and served with the 75th Ranger Regiment. And that was from 99 to 03. So I was in a special operations unit during that transition from peacetime to wartime military. And I mean, it got crazy because we never thought it. I mean, everyone always said, "Oh, we're going to go to war one day. We're going to go to war," but no one ever really truly believed that. I think because the regiment hadn't been involved in any type of combat since Somalia, that was nineteen ninety three, and so after the was that the the Black
0: Hawk was that the Black Hawk Down incident? Yes, yeah, that
1: was okay. Okay. Mogadishu Black Hawk Down. Um, you know, so as soon as nine eleven kicked off we were on a deployment tempo that was just go, go, go. And I did a few deployments to Afghanistan with the regiment. And then that's when military contracting kicked off. And back in those days, you know, when I was a young 23-year-old E-5, we were told, hey, you can reenlist as a ranger and continue to make three grand a month. Or you can go over on these private contracts with special operations guys and make 30K a month. And so it was kind of a no-brainer. And a lot of us did that. And the cool thing about it, it was, uh, it continued to be, it it continued to fulfill that like military mission. We had our brotherhood, we were out, we were doing our thing. It was, the stakes were high. It was extremely dangerous. And I know people think that might sound strange, but as a 20 year old or 22 year old man, that's what you trained to do. And then when you actually got to go be deployed and do the mission, it was actually exciting. I always tell people like the, the combat deployments were some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. And so uh, by the
0: way, if anyone really wants to hear this stuff in, it, it, it's fascinating The the details of this even more, I recommend going over to uh, Greg Anderson's first podcast with um, my ex friend, Andy Stumpf, uh cleared hot, go over there and listen to that. I mean, yeah. Andy, you and Andy have a two hour and 57 minute conversation that um I'm not happy with Andy, but I even enjoyed him and you thoroughly in that conversation. Andy's such a good podcast host, man.
1: man we used to work at the same uh me and Andy it, are friends through that process. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm sure. He he's he's a great dude. I me mean, we just worked at the same place and uh we both worked at CrossFit. And when at one point I was on the ship and he was throwing rocks at the ship, you know. So hmm. he never did anything to me personally, but I just I I I I'm still resenting the fact that he was throwing rocks at the ship while i was still on it you know what i mean but it, but it's nothing it, he, he's a great podcaster he's he's um yeah it's I, i'm not like this motherfucker but i just i just you know what i mean i'm just like fuck you you know like i'm just pissed at him anyway different different story the podcast with you and him is great holy Thank shit you. yeah it's it's like it's a like little for for a little pussy like me to hear two fucking brave men talking and and be able to live vicariously through that podcast and hear what you guys did. I was proud of you. I was proud of this country. I was I was I
1: was stoked. Thank you. So and, yeah yeah yeah. A funny story about how putting yourself out there and, and and speaking what you believe to be true it changes the trajectory of your life because Andy saw my video. He reached out to me and said, "Hey, will you do cleared hot?" I went to Kalispell and filmed that episode. Where's that? And, That's Montana. That's where he went, right? Yeah, Kalispell, yeah. Montana. Yeah. And uh, my inbox blew up with people saying that podcast was so fun to listen to. You need to do your own. That podcast was awesome. Do your own, do your own, do your own. And I thought, and it was listen,
0: kinda, the Endless Endeavor podcast. I listened to one of yeah. those yesterday
1: also. Yes, congratulations. Awesome. Awesome. And so we started that just out of like, I never thought that would be something that I would do. And we started it and it's been great and it's been doing very well. And it's, we're on, I just finished episode 91 yesterday. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy, but it's a really fun journey. I'm enjoying it.
0: Yeah, it's cool. But it, the one I listened to, I think was 89. Do you ever have, and you didn't have a guest. Do you have guests on the show also? Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I probably okay. do. Oh I yeah. Probably, that's how you, you and Greg Laplin have done shows together. Yeah. 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 Okay. 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 I, I probably do 10% solo and 90% with guests.
0: Okay. And and then you have that other, your other homeboy, um, Mitchell. Mitch yeah. Mitch. Ag- Aguiar. Aguiar. Yeah. Another cool dude,
1: man. You hang out with some manly dudes. Well, dude, it's just every, I got connected to all the right people. When this stuff happened, me and Lappin yeah. already home before the video, but the video definitely helped like create a footprint in the, in the social media world. And it connected me with a lot of people. So it's, it's been amazing.
0: Can you imagine what? if you and Greg Laplin would have been friends like in high school? Oh, <laughs> yeah, we'd, we'd both be in jail probably. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, this guy, this guy
1: speaks the shit out of his mind. Oh, Mitch is a wild motherfucker. Yeah, look at those shorts. Yeah, Sunga Life shout out. <laughs> oh, he. This guy is single. No, Sunga Life. That's the brand oh, of oh. shorts.
0: Oh, oh, a, oh, oh. Um,
1: <laughs> i thought um, you were yeah, looking um,
0: at i thought you were <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> no mitch is the opposite of single he has two girlfriends <laughs> oh perfect perfect do you have two girlfriends um we'll talk off the air all right all right all right because
0: i'm looking at this picture and I, I, I went to your entire instagram yesterday but yeah okay we'll get we'll get at that later um so um so 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 you go into the military and then you go to, you turn into a contractor, okay? And and yeah. are you changing as a human being through all of this? Are you are, like in, in terms of like some of the things that bring you to being able to speak your mind, integrity, honesty? All the guys I know who are special forces guys, um There is something about them that's extremely refreshing about just their honesty and bluntness. It offends some people. But the truth is is that the evolution in your relationship with these guys is so fast because they're so honest. And so if you can hang and not be offended, not have your feelings hurt, man, you can grow with them quickly and get shit done. And that's the biggest
1: key. And I still remember as a a young ranger, like, you know, when when you have someone just – say something that's just blunt and honest and it, it it's not necessarily rude but in the special operations community you can't you don't we don't have time to have your feelings hurt because mm-hmm. the mission comes first and if you fuck something up you're going to get called out on it and you're going to get called out on it in front of the whole team after every single operation we do what's called the aar and after actions review and the the team gets in a big circle and we talk about everything that went right and everything that went wrong and who the key players were And if something went wrong, who fucked it up and how to make sure it doesn't happen again, there's, there's a lot of transparency and there has to be because our fucking lives are on the line. Right. And so if somebody did something that was fucked up, there can't be any other way to approach it than right now with brutal honesty. And I know that that offends some people, but once you live in that realm for a while, it's actually refreshing because everybody knows what's on everybody else's mind and nobody's playing these weird games behind closed doors, and it kind of set the tone for how i how I decided to live my life and how I interact with people and how I speak my mind and and just like you said yeah it's it's a little much for some people but if you if you live in a realm where people know who you are, then they can choose to accept that or fuck off right and it's actually comfortable and so Moving forward from from the contract, can I can
0: area. I jump in there one second? I want to tell you a funny story. Um, yeah, What do. you're talking about in the current vernacular, in in the woke corporate vernacular, is transparency and vulnerability. And you just made me realize something. Um, date there. Uh, I, I don't know if you you're into CrossFit, right?
1: Yep, I own a CrossFit gym. Well, okay, I own a gym that has CrossFit and Jiu Jitsu. I run the Jiu Jitsu side. My homie runs CrossFit side.
0: Okay. So, so um, my friend, Dave Castro, and my friend, Nicole Carroll ran the level one training team over at CrossFit Inc. And they had, they ran it exactly the way you're, you're saying it was, it's so gnarly. It was scary. And I ran the media department and basically what they would do, they would take their coaches and there would be reviews from all sides, from your peers, from the your pupils, and then from the higher ups. And they would just, I mean, the feedback was nuts. Whenever I would talk to the L1 trainers and I would hear about it, I'd be like, oh God, that sounds so fucking uncomfortable. That is the ultimate vulnerability and transparency. But then you have these corporate goons come in and talk about it. We need to be open. We need to be transparent and vulnerable, but you need to make sure that you don't offend anyone. Well, first of all, I can't make sure that I don't offend you. That's not, that's not my responsibility. And second of all, you, you can't have both of those. And it's so funny. They, and, and I tell people this all the time. People would say there was this thing in the community. They would say, Dave's so unprofessional. They're so naive. They don't realize. The fact is they don't recognize a professional. He's actually the epitome of professionality. He's the apex professional because like you, his job, every decision was life or death. Professional mm-hmm. isn't the suit and the tie. Professional is this ultimate transparency and vulnerability back and forth. And it's totally, it's even, even a dirt twirling hippie, like from Berkeley, like me could spot
1: that. Like, holy shit, this is, this shit's the real shit. If you offend somebody, but you're telling them what you perceive to be the truth. I mean, sorry. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you're fat and you're going to
0: die if you don't lose weight because all fat people die prematurely from chronic disease. Well, that hurt my feelings. Well, you can thank me when you when you live another ten years. No, that's right, man. And so, oh, so sorry, I, I get on my horse
1: every once in a while. I'll, I'll park it in the in the garage. Or <laughs> it wasn't until I contracted and I did uh, I did twelve tours as a contractor to Iraq, and in two thousand and nine, I got an email and it was a picture of my wife's positive pregnancy test. And she'd been with me through a lot of different deployments. And she goes, hey, I think if we're going to do the family thing, it's time to put this lifestyle behind us and and pursue something new. And I had to agree with her, even though I enjoyed that lifestyle. I saw a lot of guys over there that did have families and it never really sat well with me. Like, I don't know how they would just, hey, you know, deploy for six months and they got three little babies back home. And I remember thinking like, man, that can't be me because I don't think I would be able to be mission focused and some guys are to each his own. Right. But that was in 2009 and I, i had redeployed home and I, that was, that was it for me. I let them know that I'm out. That was my last deployment. And then I started to, how many pre-
0: years were you in? Say that again. Nine.
1: Um, yeah, just under 10 when you combine okay. active duty contracting. Okay. And so came home and what do a lot of soldiers do? They kind of, follow the path right into law enforcement. It's a very natural transition. And people think like, okay, if I was part of a special operations team and, you know, I like that camaraderie and I like weapons and I like tactics (laughs) and all that stuff, let's go into law enforcement. And so that's what I did. And I did, I tried two different agencies and to tell you the truth, I never really found what I was looking for. Law enforcement inside of the United States is very, very different than anything in the special operations community. It's very political. um, A lot of poor leadership in my experience. And I just kept coming to that same conclusion, like, man, this is not what I had hoped it would be. But at the same time, a lot of people work in jobs that they're not excited about day to day, you know, but I wasn't. I was never like super passionate and, and as a as a police officer and loved the job like some cops do because I just always saw a lot of a lot of flaws in and and how they conducted themselves. And so to tell you the truth, you know, fast forward to 2020 when the pandemic started, like I didn't want to lose my job. I had, you know, mortgages and kids and and I'm on the same grind as everybody else. But I knew three daughters, that- right? Three daughters. Yep. Yep. They're six, six, nine, and 12. And Dang. so, but I knew that like, I'm successful. At what I put my mind to, I know how to win. I, if I need to get on the grind and do something to feed my family, I'm not intimidated by having to do that. And if I have to fucking stock shelves at home Depot at night, then, then that's what I'll do. Right. But I'm not going to not share my mind or like speak. Mind when I see this massive issue that's affecting our profession, and that's why I was never intimidated about doing that. And and that's something that bothers me. I see a lot of cops that are intimidated to speak their mind, and the public needs us to speak our mind. They need to see that we're sticking up for them, that we stand for them, and that we see these flaws in, in this and in, in the political landscape that's swept across our country. And. Another thing that I tell cops all the time is like, if you speak the truth and I, you can call it God, you can call it the universe, but it, karma I've found is a real thing. Cause my life has become enriched over the last 24 mm. months since I made mm. that my business, my side business has blown up. Um, we started that podcast, all kinds of new relationships and new friendships. And man, I, I can't imagine sitting in a patrol car, being a cop right now. Like my life has changed so much in the last two years for the better. And it all started by speaking my truth and, and following integrity.
0: Did you enjoy the, when you, so you're sitting in your, in your car and you make that video and then you post it to your Instagram. Is that where you posted it? Correct. Yep. Um, did, and then I'm assuming from there, it was just a snowball that just rolled downhill just gaining momentum people. I mean, I I was trying to figure out how many views it's seen. And at one point I came to the point, I was writing it down. It it, it wouldn't surprise. I think it's closer to a hundred million than zero because somewhere over the millions, you have to start losing count because it's just, now it's just gone everywhere. It's, it's not just that people use this word viral uh, too often, but this thing literally was like, everyone was ripping it and reposting it.
1: No, it it was, I mean, it went all over Twitter, all over YouTube, all over all these platforms that I don't even have on networks. Like, it was all over television. It was all over television. Yeah. It was on Fox news. It was on CNN. Yeah. Um, one guy, one radio show host out of Vegas. Um, he shared it and his share alone got 15 million views. And so yeah, crazy. Yeah. I don't even know where to begin on my personal Instagram. Got like a million. Uh, uh-huh. like one spot that it got posted, but, uh, no, it, it was really crazy. It, I posted it and like I told you, my commander got a hold of me and he goes, "Hey Greg, I watched your video. Awesome message. Everything you said, we stand behind oh, and we said, "Wow." Behind. And I was like, "Hey, cool, you know?" Yeah. And I'm uh, ready for a promotion. <laughs> <laughs> my, my department had been begging me to put in for sergeant so they could promote me. They're like, you're a natural leader, Greg. We want you to be in a leadership position. We want to promote you. Like I was always well-respected in the department, both by my peers and my chain of command. And so when he called me and said that, I was like, okay, cool. You know, I didn't foresee this video getting me fired, but I also knew you didn't, you didn't No, I knew there was the potential for it to rub some people the wrong way, but I wasn't sure what the outcome was, but th- at the end of the day, I wasn't concerned about the outcome. I was concerned about getting the right message out there.
0: Well, and was that because going back to this word you used before, heart, something wasn't sitting well with your heart? You're going this way and something was telling you to do this, and you're like, I can't do that. I can't do that. And so you spoke out, Hey, I know you want me to make a right turn here. I can't. And that's what that video was, right? They wanted yeah, you to 100%. do some stuff that you felt you didn't want to do
1: to, to the people that you swore to serve. Well, and, and, and here's the, the, God honest truth about it. I, and I I articulated in the video, my specific department, I was fortunate. I didn't get tasked to go arrest women at parks. And when we started seeing all this stuff happening, I went right into my chief's office and I was like, Hey, just so you know, you know, if we start getting these orders to go shut down people's businesses, I need to know where you stand on this because I already know where I stand. And he's like, no, 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 Greg, listen, I, we're going to, we're going to stand behind our communities and we're not going to do all the stuff that we're seeing on TV. And I was like, okay, like I felt a, a sense of relief because my specific department told me that they weren't going to ask us to do all of these egregious acts that we're seeing from police officers nationwide. And so, but just because, my specific department wasn't asking me it's like over here over there what's the difference you know i was still seeing cops nationwide i mean we saw those we, two police boats chasing that surfer around in malibu do you remember that video
0: no i heard about some
1: shit like that that's that crazy, crazy. <laughs> they said the ocean's closed and i'm like <laughs> 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 what are we talking about Like, and this is, this is the biggest problem with the profession (laughs) and with politicians. Like you guys aren't in charge of all of this shit. You don't get to close the ocean. That's not how it works, you know? And we saw like mothers getting arrested for going on walks, pushing their fucking babies through parks. I saw some of that. The, uh, the one that the, the straw that broke the camel's back for me was there was two Hispanic women. And they were, uh, yeah, there it is. (laughs) Crazy. Two Hispanic women were doing nails out of their basement and they sent in undercover agents to go ahead and, and pretend to be customers. And then they arrested them. And I'm like, you motherfuckers like,
0: Hey, I don't mean to make it political, but Democrats,
1: the ones that care, that's Democrat shit. Yeah, it is. It is man. And, and and like I said, like, I don't necessarily align with, with a political party, but I certainly don't align with the Democrats. <laughs> the, yeah. The, yeah. They've hey,
0: to- When I was in college, there was this thing called affirmative action. And, it, uh-huh. and it's, it's, and basically if I, if I remember correctly, um, it was basically you have to let in a number of people based on their skin color, like this many blacks yeah. have to get in and this many whites and this many Asians. And, um, It's interesting. I I was just, what if they, uh, to put it in perspective, what if they passed a law that said um, only Hispanic women could do nails in their basement, but they, but they made it. I I mean, it's that, it's that kind of shit. I, I understand the sentiment, but I, you know, I think Jimmy Carter said it in a different way. And mother Teresa said it in a different way, they talked about violence in terms of violence. But if you fight racism with racism, what you will have left is the winner will be racist. Yes. Either way, whoever wins, and 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 that's the part I don't understand why that's so hard to get. Why they, why people don't realize that that's what they're reading? I think it's because they don't understand the mechanism of the brain, and that once you set precedent in a certain kind of ideological thought, it will just spread everywhere. Do do they not understand that? How come people can't see that?
1: I think affirmative action and all these other ideas that the radical left has been pushing most of my life is nothing more than a means to pander so they get votes they don't care about enriching people's lives i mean i was a law enforcement officer in compton you know what i mean like i i my office was out of downtown los angeles and i was our jurisdiction was i was the federal agency so it was the central district of california
0: is that when you were a u.s marshal mm-hmm.
1: yes and those guys in the in the inner city in the hoods they have been living in the same projects. Their grandfathers were pimping hose and sling dope. And that's all they've seen since they were two years old. And we're not doing anything to break the cycle. And so you you want to act like, oh, like let's do affirmative actions and this many people get to get into this many schools. Like, you know, how about you build a trade school in Compton and right. teach some people how to weld? you know or or a skill that can actually carry over to an actual profession. And we just don't it's and I said, I've said the same thing about B, you know, they got all of this money and now all the founders horrible have horrible reorganiz- organizations but there's no trade schools in the ghetto, you know. And so, yeah, I just think in in the other side of affirmative actions, if you're the guy that got in because you made the cut and your, the pigment of your skin looks like this. Is that what you want? No, you want to get into the, into the school because you earned it. And I think it's actually, it's almost offensive to say, Hey, you know what? You didn't quite sure. cut the mustard, but you know what? Because you're black, we're going to let you in anyways. People, people don't want that. It doesn't make any sense. You know,
0: do you ever, do you know Thomas Sowell from the Hoover Institute? No, I do not. Uh, economist. He's like a 90-year-old man. Can you bring up his picture, Caleb? Thomas Sowell. I think he's like 92 or 93 now. You would love him. But basically, he's an economist. One of his basic premises is, is that people use skin color as, as, as a correlate. His whole thing, in a ton of his book, I highly read. Do you listen to audiobooks? Yep. There's this book he wrote. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Scroll down. Civil… Um, scroll down a little bit more, Caleb. It's got a yellow cover. It's old from the '80s. Civil rights rhetoric or something? Civil rights rhetoric or uh, rhetoric or reality? Anyway, oh, there it is on the right. I highly recommend that book, Civil. Civil uh, rights rhetoric or reality. And basically what he does is he goes through and he compares all these things. So I'll just give you a quick example. He says, um, so they'll compare Jews to Puerto Ricans and they'll be like Jews on average make $100,000 more a year than uh, uh, Puerto Ricans. And then Thomas Sowell will be like, well, let's find out the median age of Jews versus Puerto Ricans. And the median age when they did it of Puerto Ricans was 25, and the median age of Jews was 50. Well, (laughs) as you know, Greg, for me personally, I was homeless living in a car at 25, and tomorrow I'll be 50, and I'm a fucking millionaire. Yeah. Big fucking difference. Nope. so and and he, and he shows that so he, he goes okay so they say they say white people make more money than black people let's take the average salary of a 30 year old black woman who's not married and doesn't have kids and it was slightly more than a 30 year old white woman and it was it's crazy how he does that but but one of the things he says is the strongest correlate amongst all things and the example he used, one of the great examples he uses is prison is 85 percent of prisoners don't ha- didn't have a mother and father at home
1: well there you go yeah. yeah,
0: and then he keeps showing that, like, in, in 85 and in 92% of all drug addicts didn't have a mother and father at home, and uh, people who, who don't pay their bills didn't have a and you just go on and on, and that correlate of not having mommy and daddy at home, it's everywhere. No, I mean, it has nothing we, to do with skin color.
1: We have seen the the family unit being attacked in our country for a long time. BLM? And, and- why is it? Why is it an abstract idea to think that a balanced human being would come from an upbringing that has both a masculine and a feminine influence? That's what's going mm-hmm. to balance you. You know, we do balance each other. That's what's so important about relationships. But oh, fuck, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How long have you been married? Uh, we got married in two thousand eight. And and how did you meet your wife? You know, we actually went to high school together. And so we already knew each other we never dated or we weren't really even friends. we just had a few classes together same year no she was two years behind me okay and so but still I was a senior taking Spanish and she was a, a sophomore taking Spanish so right, that's right. We I did had. a lot of that <laughs> <laughs> what classes can I be with the the sophomore chicks right right um, and so fast forward I went in the military and I was gone for the better part seven years and then I just ran into her at a local bar when I was home on leave one time but because we'd already knew known each other in the past you know that connection was already there we just started talking and and that was a wrap I took her shooting the next day and she'd never went shooting before so that was what what did her what did her parents think of you um her parents always respected me but I mean to this day her dad was he, he was intimidated by me And that was, that's always been a weird dynamic, but I mean, I don't really give a shit anymore. It is, it is what it is. And, and your dad passed. Yeah. My dad passed in 2015.
0: Um, And you made a career
1: move to be closer to him. Yeah. Um, That was the catalyst that separated me from the marshal service. And to tell you the truth, I wasn't happy with the marshal service. I saw a lot of flaws in their leadership and I just wasn't impressed with the agency overall. And I'll always say this little caveat, the U S marshals has 94 different districts nationwide. Each district is ran by a chief and it's kind of, they set the tempo and they're all very different. So, I have some buddies that love that agency and say it's the greatest thing they've ever been a part of. And then I have a lot of other buddies that absolutely hate it because mm. it's so different. So if that's something you're thinking about or, or something that you've kicked around, just know it's kind of a crapshoot on which, where you're going to get assigned and if it's a great career or if it's a shit career. But with that said, I wasn't really impressed with the leadership. I was on the SRT team, the special response team serving the high risk warrants. And I love that. I love that team. I love that mission. And it was it was a cool part of the job. But that was a small part of the job. More often than not, we were driving prisoners around and we were sitting in court hearings. And you have to produce your prisoners for court. Like Everyone sees the U.S. Marshals on TV kicking a door in and making an arrest. That's the cool part of the job. That's 5% of the job. Mm-hmm. Then you have to take their arraignment then you have to take them to their initial appearance and you have to take them to their tr- the trial and you have to take them to their sentencing. And you're literally sitting with this prisoner for sometimes six, eight, 10 hours a day through these court proceedings. And it was just monotonous and it was boring. And I got to the point where I was like, man, I need a fucking change. Like, I'm not digging this. I can't like I like new experiences, but as soon as something starts to feel like it's drying up, it's on to the next thing. I'm not gonna it blows my mind that people use the their the one life that they have to commit to something for 20 years that they don't enjoy just because there's a pension at the end of the road. Uh, I've watched my buddies get killed in their 20s to know that the end of the fucking road could be tomorrow, you know. And so I, I wasn't content with where I was at to start with. And then my dad was diagnosed terminal and we knew that this was coming. It was an eight year process. Dementia killed him. And it was a slow and and grueling process. But once the end was near, I said, I went to my agency and a lot of agencies, all cops listening will know exactly what I'm talking about. Your agency will say, Hey, This agency puts family first and we take care of you. And if you need anything, we got your back. We're here to help. There's a lot of lip service coming out of your chain of command. And when I went to my chief and I said, hey, my dad only has a couple more months left to live, as doctor said, and I need to be with my family to support them through this time. I'm happy to work out of the Seattle office for this time. And I already went and I coordinated with Seattle. I coordinated with headquarters and everybody was on board, but my chief kept giving pushback. And he was like, Greg, you're one of the better deputies here. I can't lose you. You have to understand that I can't lose you. And then one day I got an email and I'll fucking show it to you. If you want to see it, I've saved it. And it said, Hey, and it was from, uh, I requested a medical hardship to be with my dad while he died. And they replied back to me and it said, if you need to be with your father for the next couple months, he can consider moving to Los Angeles. Wow. 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 And here's the thing I am reasonable until I'm not. And as soon right. as I'm not reasonable, I will fucking fight to the fucking death. Like that's how I'm wired. Once you push me past that point, like, okay, I tried to be reasonable. And now you came at me with this shit. So I walked in my supervisor's office. I showed him the email on my phone. And he's like, oh, hold on a second, Greg. Just I said, no, no, no. There is no fucking holding on a second. I said, I challenge anyone. I said, whoever sent this, his name was uh, Brian Snell. I said, Brian Snell sent this to me from DC. Okay. I challenge any person in my chain of command to say this to my fucking face and see what happens. No, 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 Greg. Listen, I get it. I get it. No, no, no. I said, no. My fucking father is dying. I am trying to be reasonable so I can spend these last couple months with him. And this motherfucker said, why can't he just move to Los Angeles? And then icing on the cake at the bottom, it said, and if this is a financial hardship for your family, that it is that is not a concern of the agency. That's what it said. And so I said, so you guys left me no choice. Uh, and I forget what the date was, but let's say it was Thursday. I was like, Monday morning, I'm moving home. With or without the agency, okay? You guys aren't in charge of my life. I'm in charge of my life. Yeah, and this is important. yeah, yeah. So you always tell me I'm a good deputy and, and you support me and you know that I'm a, I'm a team player. You say all this stuff. I'm going to go see my father on Monday. And if the agency wants me to be a part of the agency, then you can figure out how to make that happen. But I'm fucking gone. And I did that. And here's the funny thing. The federal government can't fire you unless you do something criminal, straight up. Like my file, I had no, nothing bad in my file. I was a good deputy. And so when I just went and moved home, literally for the next year, they kept saying, all right, Greg, you got to come back now. All right, Greg, you got to come back. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, no, you know what? I'm not coming back. Did you enjoy that? Was that like a girlfriend telling you? I had fun with it because I remember thinking, I'm like, man, if I didn't show up to work for a hundred days in a row at McDonald's, I wouldn't have a fucking job anymore. Right.
0: No, if Ronald's come to your house and beat your ass. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I'm a deputy US Marshal who hasn't went to work in a hundred days and they're still they don't know what to do with me. Cause the I'm telling you, and that was actually another problem with the agency. We had people that were non-performers that were just terrible at their job. But if they don't do something that is like a violation of policy or something that is egregious, they get to keep their job. We had deputies that were late to work every single morning. And the thing is is like if you have a nine o'clock court hearing, there's a lot of logistics that need to happen to make sure that that prisoner is produced at nine o'clock. It's just like any other part of the war or any other profession. like adhering to a timeline is important. <laughs> and I always thought like coming from the military, we didn't debate being late like you were on time period it wasn't yeah all the
0: period. mill guys i worked with at crossfit if they set a time you better show up like 15 minutes early if you yeah. showed up on time you were late i mean they would just tell you you're late you'd be like no i have one minute they're like you're fucking late yeah you're I'm 10 like, minutes wow, i can't believe late. this is the real world yeah, okay. yeah.
1: You no know, and i think about being a ranger i don't remember we had a, we had morning. Andy formation. was like that. Andy was
0: like that. I remember when I worked with Andy, like, like yeah, yeah. P-
1: punctuality is, was very, very important to him. Extremely. And it should, right, and yeah. it should be, it should be. I got a funny Andy story then, even though you, you yeah. guys are fighting. now, Tell me. Nah, um, he,
0: he probably doesn't. He, pro- I, I guess he, he doesn't hate me. I just hate him. He, he's, nah, he's so not, wasting did, it. he's not fucking with me. He doesn't give a fuck about
1: me. We did. Uh, I went and linked up with him a couple last summer and did a podcast in his studio and it was actually for my show. It wasn't for his show. And I said, all right, hey, I'm going to see you at 10 or whatever, whatever the time was. But I was driving and I was in Idaho and I didn't realize I didn't do proper planning. I fucked. I dropped the ball and I didn't realize that I was going from Pacific to mountain time. So as soon as I, as soon as I drove through the time zone, my phone changed and I realized I didn't have enough time to get there. Oh, shit uh-huh and so uh I was, he fought I, I, you when you got out of the car <laughs> he's like oh i guess rangers don't know how to plan missions across multiple time zones <laughs> and he's never let me live that down every time any time that he meets someone that like we mutually know he'll be like oh yeah Craig anderson the guy that can't plan missions across multiple time zones
0: <laughs> yeah he's a great He he's a great ball buster yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a great ballbuster. One time we were driving to uh, maybe it was even the first time I met him. I think he was, I think we were filming in Coronado. He was a he, he was a buds instructor over there, right? Yes, so blurry to me. Okay, so I went over there and I was filming him over there, and then after we were done filming, we um, and I'm this Berkeley boy, right? Very sensitive, easily offended. You know what I mean? PC, and uh, and so I pick him up. And and, and, we we film over there. And then I'm driving with him back to his house. And as we're driving back to his house, we pick up his son, one of his kids. And his kid said, hey, dad, can I stop and get like a bottle of water at the store? His kids are like at six or seven at the time. I can't remember. And he goes, sure. But first, you got to tell Sevon that he has a huge nose. And his son's like, you have a huge nose. Just just like that. (laughs) Just like it was like that quick. I was like, (gasps) I was like, I remember being offended. (laughs) i was probably 34 at the time i'm i've come a long way in 15 years maybe i should thank thank andy for teaching me uh the, the school of hard knocks yeah he's he's a pretty funny dude so 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 you you this this happens um is is there a moment where you said that in the 24 months after the video came out um that uh a lot of good things have happened. That it's it was yeah. sort of like a flowering, a blossoming. Was there ever a moment where you were like free falling? Like, oh shit, how am I going to pay my mortgage this month? Oh, yeah,
1: hundred percent. So and isn't that shit scary? Right. It's very scary. Yeah, like you have my three daughters. Is, yeah, my wife has been with me long enough to know that like once I'm pushed past a point that there's there's no talking me off the ledge, and so she was sitting shotgun in in our forerunner when i got the call from my commander the same commander that said he liked the video he called me you know an hour later or whatever and it was the next day so i wasn't on patrol i was at home driving around with my wife and he goes hey greg uh you know i've i know we talked a couple hours ago but Things have changed a little bit because the video is over 400,000 views now, and uh, it's getting (laughs) getting real big. And I've been directed to tell you it has to come down.
0: I bet you an hour after he said that, it had 800,000, and an hour after that, it had 1.6
1: million. (laughs) (laughs) And, And if you listen to the video, one thing that I said in the video verbatim, I said, police officers need to stand up for what they believe to be morally and ethically correct. And if standing behind what you believe to be morally and ethically correct costs you your job, then so be it. Right. Your paycheck does not come before upholding your oath. And I was like, I was like, sir, I literally said that verbatim on the video. And now Mm -hmm. you're telling me to rescind those words. I said, if I rescind Mm -hmm. those words, I lose credibility with all of the people in my life that, that I have, that I hold dear and that I have important relationships with. And so I said, I can't do that. Okay. And I said, so this is where we're at on this. If you have to fire me because you're being direct, I'm being directed to take the video down. If you have to fire me because I'm unwilling to do that and I'm unwilling to rescind my words saying that our duty is to support our citizens, then you're going to have to fire me. And I remember he's like, Greg, great, great, great don't don't do this come on don't do that like tried to was have he to- your homeboy was he your homeboy was he a guy really like you would get a along. beer with i mean I, 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 I wouldn't call him like a homeboy because like you know he's a commander and i'm a patrol officer but we always got along
0: yeah okay and the there was a mu- there was stuff. a mutual respect i mean obviously i have a feeling a lot of people respect you even if they disagree with you it's hard not to respect a man who stands up for what he believes in
1: and so yeah i said I, i'm unfortunately i'm unable to do that and so what they fired me for wasn't for making the video. They fired me for insubordination because I was given a direct order to take the video down, and I said no.
0: Hey, so isn't like, that weird that you could be fired for insubordination about something that's in your house or, – or, yeah, in your house because I consider your social media your house. So imagine like being fired – let's say your boss told you, hey, you need to change all the spoons in your kitchen, and you were like, fuck you. I yeah. like these spoons. And then they fired you for insubordination. It's like.
1: Do you think you crossed well, the line a little bit? And this, is, this is where the waters get kind of murky, right? Because they said you violated our social media policy. So because you violated our social media policy, even though it's on your personal social media, it still affects us. So you can still be punished under our policy. But the social media policy said you can't have your name tag showing, the badge showing, and you can't identify which department you were working for. I didn't do any of those things. That's why I turned, if you notice my hat was backwards, I turned my hat around because the front of it says port of Seattle. And I knew that I'm not allowed to say I am a port of Seattle police officer publicly. That's part of the policy. So I played the game to a point to where I thought that I was within policy. And so Uh you can see my name, but you can't see my badge on my chest because the, the badge also says port of Seattle. So I knew what my department's social media expectations were and here's the thing all cops always put posts on their social media all the time and that's why I told them I said I can show you a 100 videos of of officers in this department I said so it's very clear it's not the fact that I was on social media someone doesn't like the message that's a yes. message oh, okay yeah it is right you know there's there's pictures of of cops playing with dogs and stuff all the time And that's all good. Right. But as soon as they didn't like the message, now they started to try and pull from our social media policy and it's been revamped dramatically. So I've been told, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, I was told, and and who knows, this is, this is the rumor mill, right. But I've been told this comes from a pretty high level that it was the governor's office that called and said, Hey, get this guy's video down ASAP. Who was the Uh, governor at the time? What was his name or her name? Jay Inslee. And he's still the governor. Jay Inslee. And he is as fucking radical as you can get. He's up there with Gavin Newsom. I always joke. Can you show me a picture
0: of this guy, Caleb? I want to see this dude.
1: Jay Inslee just does whatever Gavin Newsom does. And so through the whole pandemic, whatever whatever California did, we knew two weeks later, that's what was going to happen to us. And like clockwork. It's crazy. But uh, again, I can't confirm that that's what happened. I've been told that by some pretty uh, pretty competent sources, but who knows, right? Right. Is it? Uh, uh, is it uh, right. You're going to get everybody to, to turn this off when they see that face. <laughs> yeah, I can't stand that human.
0: Um, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming people came out of the woodworks. It, it's always amazing to me how many people. Um, Because I've stepped out on the ledge too. And, uh, it's amazing how many people from all over start feeding you Intel, isn't it? I have so many good people from all over the place. Like every ship is leaking now into my house, like in a good way. It's crazy. People no, was, like a- who are like the lo- the loyal generals to the guy up top are like, hey, you should know this. I'm like, wow, yep, 100%. Okay. Hey, thank you. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's like next thing you know, Inslee's boyfriend or girlfriend, whoever he's at dinner with, is like, hey, look at here's Inslee taking off his mask and sending you pictures. <laughs> thank
1: you. Yeah. Come on over. I give you a handy. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was it was a that was a crazy time because my. I own a jiu-jitsu academy and I own I've owned a jiu-jitsu academy since 2015. So my number is public cuz you can go to my jiu-jitsu website and my cell phone is there. And once people put that they they put connected the dots, man, my phone was ringing 24/7 for like 3 weeks. And man, like I'd answer the phone and it would be like I'd be like, "Hello?" hey is this the cop that made the video <laughs> <laughs> dude that was awesome i just wanted to let you know click and I'm like what dude who would call i mean i guess hey that's cool that they that they support me and they, and they liked it people want to do their
0: part do you know what i mean they feel so guilty people really want to do their part
1: yeah people even was, go ahead what was bizarre about it is between our, between the emails, text messages, and phone calls, I would say 99% of the feedback from people was positive. People saying yeah. fuck yeah, brother. Like we support you. That was a really powerful, impactful statement. I had a lot of cops say like, man, my, my Sergeant made our whole department watch this and you have changed our perspective. Like it wasn't just, oh, wow. Hey. Yeah, wow. It was like, people were saying like, this is, this is impactful. and This is meaningful. And we got, it is,
0: it was, it was, and it is every factors. cop should thank you because basically you, you give, you gave every citizen like myself, um, faith in cops again. Like you made yeah. it so like whenever a police officer drives by, I make sure my boys stop and wave. I make uh-huh. sure they do their part to smile and someone be like, well, there's some bad cops out there. I don't care. There's some like almost all my kids' friends are bad kids. Yeah. So like and and all the cops I know are cool as fuck. So like and they're just people. But you're right. You did such you did such a service to remind everyone, "Hey, these are just dudes out here."
1: Yep. But, he, but here's the bizarre thing cuz yeah. I didn't have a big social media following. And so even though 99% of the feedback was good, the one phone call or the one message that would come through and be like, "Hey, you stupid motherfucker, we're trying to save lives with this Corona stuff. And you're going to get a bunch of people fucking killed. I hope your kids die in a car crash. Like we would get shit like that every once in a while. And I remember it would affect me. It'd be like, what? Oh, what the fuck dude? Like, what is this? You know? <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: You know? And then I, it took a while. And it was a learning process. And now like my Instagram is pretty big and people telling me how much they fucking hate me. Doesn't even begin to, create a response from me because you got, you realize like it's just a numbers game. And if, if, if out of a hundred people, 90 people like you, and then there's going to be a handful that are neutral. And then there's going to be one person that just fucking hates you. And that's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, I guess that's what makes the world go around, but it used to, it bothered me for a while get having people reach out saying hateful ass shit, but I've come to the realization. It's like anybody, that would go out of their way to say something mean to you through a social media platform or through an email, man, they're in a dark fucking place themselves. You know,
0: it's, yeah, I, I agree. And it's, and, and they don't want to have a one-on-one either, because they don't want to, they don't want to talk it out. They don't want to get to the bottom of the truth. No one, no, no one, no, the, the people who are on the wrong side, they don't want to talk it out. They just want to hurl insults on that note. Um, I'm really, 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 really against forcing people to take the vaccine and the coercion and telling it's completely insane to me. And especially because of the fact that there's no zero talk about health. And we know that not a single healthy person has died. I just show me one. I post it all the time on my Instagram. Show me one person who doesn't eat added sugar and refined carbohydrates who's died from from this virus. It's there is no there is no virus. There's people with chronic disease who are being pushed off the ledge. 100%. Um, bu- a-, a bug bites could kill these people. But anyway, um, but all nope, my I'm dearest not- friends and supporters, they're all vaccinated. They're like, thank you for speaking. It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's like all everyone who supports me and loves me for it. It's the people who are like, dude, I had to get both shots at work. All my friends have been vaccinated. Like I get it. And they're. but I'd still my, I, I'm not hating on the people who got vaccinated. I'm trying to stand up for them and, and all smart people get that. Like, that's why probably so many cops who couldn't do what you did, couldn't i you put that in quotes whatever their reason is they still love you they're like you did it for them too well and here's the
1: here here's the interesting thing is like they know this was, this was before the vaccine mandate this was before uh-huh. the mask mandate right and i would have got fired for that shit 100 percent. you know right. because i'm not taking a vaccine because my chief tells me to like that is right it's almost laughable that people do it's that. So it's so
0: weird like, to hear you say that. How does anyone, when you say that out loud, how does anyone think that that's okay? That guy over there sitting one. in that office told me to take these drugs,
1: and I did it. <laughs> it's and I like did, so weird. This is what I can't stand. It's like, if you want to take it, take it. I don't give a yes, shit of course. you put it body, right? Right. But the people that are like, man, I'm not comfortable with this. I don't want to. This is – but. But like, how am I going to pay my mortgage? And I had friends that were like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then when the cutoff date was coming, they're like, oh, fuck. I I had to, man. And I'm like, bro, I lost. Hey, do you think those
0: people have trouble sleeping? I feel sorry for those people. Do you think think that, like, they feel compromised? Like, they feel dirty? Do you think that they drink and have to drink an extra beer every night?
1: Because their life is being dictated by what another man is telling them to do. And it's like you can't look at yourself in the mirror and be proud of who you are. And it's, it's funny because like, remember how much hate we got speaking out against this stuff. And I had people write me like, you're not a fucking doctor. It's like, listen, I've never claimed to be a doctor, but I'm a critical thinker. And I can you say know that no. that's
0: There's so much fallacy in that argument, by the way, too. That's a of whole, that could be a whole nother show. Like doctors know you're fucking out of your mind. That's like saying you do heroin because the drug dealer told you to take it. Shut the fuck up. Shut
1: the fuck up. And yeah. You know, in, we in shouldn't 20- be
0: allowed in the same room together. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying, trying to stay off the same page as you go so ahead.
1: My best, friend. my best friend is a doctor and he got the vaccine and early on, I remember saying like, bro, like this is brand new. Like, what are you doing? He's like, oh no, like this is just, you know, no big deal. And, and now here we are a year later. And he's like, bro, how did you know? He goes early on, you knew not to take the vaccine. He goes, I'm now telling my patients not to get it because there's too many there's too many unknowns coming out and he goes you fucking knew and I was like bro it's common sense like you don't have to sell something that is good right so good sells itself so if you have to say hey take this or else to me there's a problem and and I've said on my podcast a lot of times you don't like
0: ultimatums you don't like ultimatums yeah who likes
1: ultimatums <laughs> like, you know, the whole fucking you know the anti-bullying campaigns that they're pushing in all the schools is like that's the biggest bully tactic I've ever seen in my life. And it's from the fucking government.
0: Yes. Yes. I, wow. I Listen, can like, you say that one more time? I want people to hear that. This is, yeah, this, is, this, is this, this is the, the problem with BLM
1: and tactic. all the, say it one more time. Sorry. The, the biggest bullying tactic I've ever seen. And it's coming from the government. Yeah. Uh, if you have to say, do this or else, well, we have a problem now. And, and, and this is what I always say. The, the example I give if Jay Inslee, my government, my governor said, Hey, when you get out of bed every morning, Greg, you have to drink 12 ounces of orange juice. Okay. And I like orange juice, (laughs) but if he said I have to drink 12 ounces of orange juice or else, or else what motherfucker, what are you going to do? Like you want to put me in a defensive posture. You want to become confrontational with me, then, then let's become confrontational. And that's what they were doing to the citizens hey if you don't do what we say, we're gonna fire you Wh- what? like what are we talking about here? And I don't know how I, I do not know how there wasn't like bands of men fucking pushing back nationwide. Uh, to tell you the truth, I've lost a lot yes. of res- yes I've, I've lost a lot of respect for Americans over this last year because there's a lot of hard talk, but there's not a lot of action and and I can give you examples of like because I own a jujitsu academy. And once I got fired being a police officer, my jujitsu academy was all I had and it didn't make very much money. It's grown by 500% in the last year and a half. And now that academy makes more, that academy alone makes twice as much money as I ever made as a police officer. Oh, I'm so incredible. happy to hear you say that. You're such a but good and, dude. And the reason that I say that's not to boast and be like, Oh, look at me. I made it. It's like, you can do different things with your life. Being a cop is not the end all be all. And if you walk away, there are other opportunities. But, but when and people started, are attracted
0: to your integrity. People want exactly. that. I want no, that. Exactly. And you can go to your jiu-jitsu academy. I guarantee you there's people who train there who want to be with – like. so the guy who owns my jiu-jitsu academy, the one my kids go to, Garth Taylor. I took my yeah. kids there to be with Garth, not to learn jiu-jitsu. That's 100%. why I took my kids there. Like I guarantee you there's people who come there because they want to like if I if I lived in your neighborhood, I would take my kids there cuz I just want my kids to know you. I want my kids in, to in see you. Time. I want them to hear you talk. I want to see I want them to see you walk across the room. I want them to have
1: that. I tell my team all the time what you take away from the mat less than 10% of it has to do with fighting and self-defense. 90% is about how to overcome adversity, how to build confidence, how to build meaningful relationships with other human beings, how to develop camaraderie, how to yeah, deal the
0: intimacy. With, the intimacy
1: yeah. in a jiu-jitsu studio is nuts. My kids, the intimacy they have with the other kids is nuts. And so when you learn about all these little things about yourself, when you have a person on top of you that outweighs you by 50 pounds and you're having a hard time breathing, And your fight or flight mechanisms are kicking in and you're having a, and you're getting that anxious response. You literally have to have talks with yourself. Okay. I'm okay. Okay. No, 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 no. Calm down. Calm down. Like there's a process to get out of this position. And I need to implement that. And feeling panicked does not facilitate that feeling panicked actually hinders that process. And you learn, I always tell my students, the key to becoming good at jujitsu is learning to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And think about that. You can apply that to your relationships. You can apply that to your career. You can apply that to any aspect of your life. And that's why people are becoming addicted to jujitsu. I know jujitsu, it's like, it sounds like a cult, right? It's like CrossFit or vegan or whatever, like people do these things and then they're all in with them. But I'll always say this. I have yet to meet the person that dedicated a specific amount of time to jujitsu, and then walked away saying, "I regretted doing that. My my right, time right. Could, my time could have been better served doing this." You know, and so jujitsu has changed my life, but it's also changed the lives of. I mean, we have 175 members now. When I made the video, I had 20. <laughs> you know, um, That's but no. Nuts. The whole point. The whole point in bringing that up is that I was told I had to close my jujitsu academy down, and I was like. Well, because of because of, uh, COVID? Yeah, because of COVID. And I said, I can't do that, all right? And I told my wife, I said, listen, this government sent me all over the planet to fight for people's freedom, you know? Oh, the Iraqi people's freedom and the Afghani's freedom. And now they're telling me that I can't even keep my job open, and this is the only way that I feed my children. So my freedom is on the line here. And I've been fighting for people's freedom my entire adult life. And this is where I draw the line. And, and I'm sorry if whoever shows up to, to enforce closing my business down, it's just some 30-year-old deputy from the county that got dispatched. But if you're going to try and deprive me of my right to feed my kids, we have a serious fucking problem. And I was bringing my rifle, my body armor, and a bunch of loaded magazines to work with me every day. And I'm telling you, I started getting those emotions like I would get when I would go on deployment. Because it's like, hey, is to, is today the day? And wow. I never thought wow. that I would feel that at home in my own community, you know? Right. Right. But I made that, I made that decision. And I haven't put it out on Instagram and my wife's like, "You're being like inflammatory." And I'm like, "No, I'm letting people know." If you want to, if you think you're going to take me out of here in handcuffs, you're fucking wrong. Like I will die defending this. By the way, you have a great wife.
0: She's rad. No, she's someone that's, that's what a a fucking apex predator alpha needs a wife like that. Not a fucking Jersey wife. That's like, yeah, honey, stay, go stand up for our rights and fight. No one, no healthy man wants a wife that encourages him to fight. Uh-huh. you want a wife who believes in you you want a butt life who supports you but no no you do not want a, to, a woman who in a who gets insulted by a man in a bar and turns to her boyfriend and says that guy insulted me you yep. want a wife who fucking says hey let's go somewhere else and then tells you when you're 20 miles away from the place just so you know there was a guy in there who, who then you tell your husband <laughs> keep your fucking man safe especially if your man is like greg anderson that's a good wife i like i like hearing that that she's that she speaks honestly to you like that. That's, that's inflammatory. What, that's what,
1: I got a funny story on that because this is Please. actually not, not too long ago. We were stuck in traffic and mm-hmm. the off ramp about a hundred meters up the road. Right. And, uh, I said, Hey, just hit the shoulder, just hit the shoulder. We got a hundred meters on the shoulder. We've been sitting in this traffic for 30 minutes <laughs> and we were in her car when we're in her car. She drives when I'm in mm-hmm. my car. I, I know some men think that's you let your wife drive. Yeah, I do. <laughs> is <laughs> and, she a good driver? Yeah, she's a really good driver. She can parallel park
0: and back up and all that shit, drive in reverse. uh, All right, all right, all right. Give her a pass.
1: And so as soon as she pulled on the shoulder, this guy pulled over in front of her and didn't let us advance to. (laughs) (gasps) Holy shit. Why are there people like that? Shoulder police, right? Oh, he's going to. Oh, we're not going to let this person get by. And I was instantly seeing fucking red because I'm like, this motherfucker. what, What if my kid was in the back and was choking? You know what I mean? Yes. Like, you don't fucking know what's going on in the car behind you and you're going to become confrontational. What if Greg
0: Anderson's in that car and he's had a bad day?
1: <laughs> no, that's and I, I, I was like, pull up next to him, pull up next to him. And I was like, all right, this is what needs, this is what needs to happen in society. When you fuck with a man that you don't know, and I'm not saying I'm the toughest fucking guy, but don't be confrontational with people that you don't know for no reason. It doesn't make any right. sense. Right. And I was like, pull up next to him stop the car stop the car and she's pulling up next to him and i'm like 100 planning on jumping out and i was like just gonna slap him that's it yeah and if his window is if his window's up break <laughs> it and then i was gonna slap him <laughs> and she fucking gets up next to him and then she guns it and speeds off and i'm like what the fuck are you doing i said stop the car stop the. Car! she goes are you serious right now you think i'm gonna stop the car and let you get out and slap some guy. That's when a we got- good
0: fucking wife, man. Yeah. That and is a
1: good wife. Ladies in the back and you want to start some incident on the side of the road. And it's like, man, I'm 40 years. I'm 41 now. And I, and I still get that way. You know what I mean? That's just how I'm wired, but that's dude, why you I, have I, her, man. That's why you have her. She's a good, she's a, a good balance to me. And it's like, we talked about in the beginning, the masculine energy, energy and the feminine man- energy, it does it finds a balance right and that and, and she's good but i also say or have you have you seen game of thrones i watched it twice Once, i always say the she, whole the whole thing twice i'm enamored by the show dude i say she's my cersei because she's playing fucking 3d chess when i'm playing checkers and she's thinking six steps ahead and while well, i'm trying to think too and uh She's Which one was Cersei?
0: It. Is that the Is that the the mama queen? Who, who's like yeah. the, the Lannister's mom? Yeah, do,
1: she does. She walks do naked
0: through the thing, and they say shame at her.
1: Yeah, her walk of atonement. That's right. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, but I mean, remember she would do anything to get. Her so
0: you have a Cersei it. and a Khaleesi. Okay, never mind. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> um. What What about what about this is going to be? I, I want to bring this up in the most gentle. J- God, I wow yeah she's great and khaleesi's great how about when khaleesi walks out of there that room all naked and the fucking whole place is on fire oh i know oh my yeah. god i started drinking whiskey my, my man i just looked at my wife and i'm like i want to set you on fire and see if you can walk out of this house
1: <laughs> i man. want you to give i want you to lay eggs that hatch dragons
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah baby uh, my my wife did lay the three little dragons for me i'm so happy with my three little kids she gave me. Man. You got, you got um, three yeah. Okay. And they're so fun. It's just, I, we, my, my kids aren't in school. We don't, I just like, I do this podcast every morning. And then the second I'm done, I just play with them all day. Skate park, jujitsu, awesome. tennis, beach, piano, guitar, just like I just take them and we just, we rage. It's dope. You, you guys are doing homeschool then? Uh, kinda, kinda they're, they're enrolled in a school. And they do. Do you know what Kumon is? No. Kumon's this um, thing invented in the 50s by a Japanese guy. It's basically CrossFit, but through math and um, English in, and in reading, and so reading and writing. So they do 10. It's basically time performance in these two categories. So they do t- 10 to 15 minutes of that every morning, right when they wake up. They just wake up, get their backpacks, and do it on the kitchen table, and then. And then that, and then that's it. They're enrolled in schools, but we never attend because of COVID. Like there were these, yeah. they, they, they cut. They said, and we never do any of the Zoom calls or none of that shit. And then once a quarter, the teacher comes and like does an evaluation with the kid for an hour. Or hey, my wife takes him to the school, and every time the teacher says the same thing: "Holy yeah. shit, your kid ha- there's your kid has no peer." And the reason why is because my kids are around people like Garth Taylor um, talking to adults and I have a professional, I have a professional skateboarding instructor, professional guitarist, professional jujitsu guy, professional tennis player. And I just take them to these guys and I sit in the room. No motherfucker going to be alone with my kids, no matter yeah. what. I, yep. Not even
1: Jesus would not sit alone in the room with my kids. And, I uh, the reason I have um, security cameras in my academy, it's not because I'm afraid of someone breaking in. it's so, there's a 100% transparency because a lot of parents entrust my coaching staff with their children and it's like if there's ever even a hint of oh hey this happened let's pull the fucking footage because it didn't happen but that's the world we live in you know what i mean like there's a lot of predators out there right now
0: i i have no tolerance for any um you know i, I i've told this story a million times but Tell it as fast as I can again. Basically, I grew up in the Bay Area, right? And my friends yeah. and I, we partied hard. And one of the funnest places to go was San Francisco and party because the gay community fucking rage, right? So they would have the love fest or the gay pride parade and we would go there and just rage. And it was fucking awesome. It was, it was. Fucking batshit crazy, you know? There were tons of women there too. You didn't have to be gay to enjoy it, but the gay dudes were great. They kind of set the precedent for being free. Dicks out, dude walking <laughs> in a, a, two dudes on a leash, people drinking the streets, cops let anything go during those times. And, and, uh, but, but, but when I show up to my kids' school and they got the gay pride flag in the elementary school, I'm like, hey, what's that? And they're like, well, that's the uh, acceptance and freedom flag. And I'm like, no, the one next to it is the acceptance and freedom flag, the one with the, the stripes and the stars. That yeah. one right there is the sex flag and I'm not sexualizing my kids. I'm yep. not sexualizing. I don't talk to them about straight, gay, no, I don't talk to them about none of that. I don't talk to them about color, people's skins, nothing. That's all. Uh, I don't tell them. I don't warn them uh, when you turn 16, your nose is going to get huge and kids are going to make fun of you. I don't tell them that. They got to figure all that shit out on their own.
1: Dude. And
0: um I so So my kids aren't doing fucking school. They're not going to be, they're not going to be brainwashed. They're going to figure it all out on their own, but I'm also not letting any motherfuckers alone with my kids. Not because I don't trust anyone. I have no fear of it, but that's my job. Bears aren't going to get them. Uncle Buck's not going to get them and they're not going to get hit by a car. And if they do, it's my fault.
1: Yep. hundred percent dude. No, I like that. Uh, we pulled our kids out and we found the only private school in Western Washington that is mask free, vaccine free. Wow!
0: Yeah, the mask. You know, my kids have never worn a mask. They. I would, I would never that. do that to I my know, kid. I'm not never. doing that.
1: And uh, come to find out, most private schools still accept a certain percentage of state funding. And as soon as they accept that funding, guess what? Now wow. they can put their fucking thumb on them, right? And so w- our school is accredited out of Tennessee and accepts no funding through Washington State. So they literally have no leg to stand on when trying to enforce our enforce their mandates. And so we were fortunate to have that. And I saw, I mean, the mask mandate was the big one that made me pull my kids out. But I saw a lot of problems leading into that with public school. And one of them, my daughter was 10 years old at the time. And she came home and we were talking about whatever. And she goes, you know what? I haven't, I haven't decided yet if I'm going to marry a man or a woman when I grow up. And I said, "Hold on a second. Well, why are you even saying that?" And she's like, "Oh, you know, they were talking about it at school and I'm just thinking about, you know, I wonder what direction I'm going to go." And I said, "Listen. You're fucking 10 years old. When you develop sexuality and you de- and you grow into a person that de- desires intimacy and wants to share that with another human being, there's not going to be any question of which direction you want to go." Okay, you'll figure that out naturally and you don't have to fucking worry about what direction you're going to go when you're 10 years old. It's ridiculous. You should be out playing with your friends, having fun. But no, they have our kids wondering, am I going to be gay or straight when they're 10? And it's like, I don't I don't understand why that's something that even has to be brought up to a 10 year old. Let them develop sexuality like every other fucking human being has on planet Earth since the beginning of time. Let them develop it on their terms, and they'll take the, their life in the direction they want to. And then the next – I don't think the, it should
0: be introduced as theirs either. In the eighth grade, you show them two fucking zebras fucking and explain a penis and a vagina and procreation in the eighth grade. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Like so why does that it – should, it should not be about – it should not be about – and, and even, even bringing up marriage to kids. I'm very yeah. happy I married my wife. This is an institute that even that's an ideology that you're projecting. On you shouldn't be talking to kids now. about it. Yes. Fuck yeah, off. Yeah. Maybe your kid's going to develop something new. Stop telling your kids how to think. Yeah, Let them yes. grow them. They're not a fucking a bonsai plant that you're training to be small.
1: They're I fucking know. let that's them go big. Ridiculous. And then the next straw that kind of like the thing that kind of pushed me over the edge because Everybody has the right to eat whatever they want, right? You find the By diet- the way,
0: sorry. To These are the same people who, who get mad at their kids when you swear in front of them. They're like, oh, please <laughs> don't say fuck in front of my kids. Fuck you. <laughs> you know,
1: dude, you just told
0: same. you just told your kids to be extra nice to kids with black skin. You just told your kids to be extra nice to kids with white skin. Mike and I can't say fuck in front of kids. You just fucking made your kid racist. Fuck Bro, off. I, say,
1: I say this all the time. I say, I don't care what words come out of your mouth. I care context of those words. Yes, And I said, so if you go to the park that's down the street and you walk up to a little girl there and you say to this girl, you look fucking beautiful today. Yeah. Or you say to this girl, you look very ugly today. I said, what do you think you'd be more upset about? I said, it's fucking, it's, it's absolute context. And I don't change how I speak in front of my children because it's a word. It's vibrations through the air. It doesn't fucking matter. How are your words created to make another person feel? And if you if you're if you're articulating words with the intent and making another person feel bad about themselves or feel like they're less of a human being, now we have a big problem. That's your words have power, and you need to understand that. But saying "fuck" that doesn't have any power. It depends on the context of it. And it's it's it's. I've always found that bizarre how our society has fixated on there's a handful of words you can't say. You can't say these. My
0: God, like, oh, dude. I don't let you know there's two words I don't let my kids say. Well at least two. I don't let them say disgusting and I don't let them say bored. Nice. So like they they can't see a bug and be like that's disgusting. I'd be like disgusting. That's one of the greatest creatures on the planet. Look at the wings and the way they're attached to the thorax and, and yeah. but it but like if you get if if you get if you get if you step in shit in your brand new shoes and then you go to look and it gets on your hand. I might let you say, oh, man, this is disgusting. But it be- yeah. but it really better be. And if you say you're bored, I'll be like, dude, you got a penis. Life is never going to be boring.
1: Bro, I don't like, understand. Like, 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 what are you talking there's, about? You're a human. There's not, hours, there's not enough hours in the day as is. They're, being bored, uh, I can't yeah. even wrap my head around that. I don't let the kids at my Jiu-Jitsu Academy say the word can't. Oh, that's you good. Know? Cause it'd be like, all right, we're going to do break falls to technical getups right now. And I always have, I'll have two lines going down and I have the kids that have experience go to the front. So the other kids can visually see how the drill works. And then I'll hear kids say, I can't do that. And it's like, no, 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 no. You might be good at it, but you absolutely are going to try it. And that's right. what I tell them. I, I expect two things from you. I expect positive mindset and the willingness to put in effort. You do those two things you're going to have really good jujitsu one day, but uh, yeah, going back to the school thing, the, another one, the things that kind of pushed me over the edge was my daughter came home and said, my science teacher said that our family should go vegan because that's how you can combat global warming. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Oh, before, oh, I I
2: eat, before
1: I even begin and, and dude, I'm a, I'm a very, like I'm a carnivore guy. I eat, a lot of meat that's been my have you
0: ever been vegan have you ever been vegan have you tried it
1: no no and bro i'm not even like to each his own right and whatever whatever diet works for your body and we're not all the same that's fine right and uh i said okay have you been doing
0: any of the raw meat have you done any raw meat stuff no i have been doing a bunch
1: of raw meat. meat okay do you know sean baker Dr. Sean Baker, the carnivore. I know, I know, I know of him.
0: I'm friends with the liver king, so I kind of got like Okay. I, I I'm kind I get a little obsessed with his and I and I saw you and I just by the way, I really appreciated the humility with the uh you trying the fifty-one eggs and showing the okay. video. That
1: that's dope. <laughs> yeah, I thought that I'd be able shit to is that. Crazy. I thought I'd be able to do that. I was very, very wrong. <laughs>
0: you're like but, at 26 uh, you're like all right you win peace
1: <laughs> 26 <laughs> is crazy dude, yeah, dude. i do I two felt, and i'm like i'm good i'm, I'm good sick for like five hours after that oh. liver thing is a beast but uh no sean baker is he did i need to have sean baker on i'd love to have him on sorry go ahead he wrote the carnivore diet book he was on rogan he's a jiu-jitsu student of mine he trains at my academy. i know that's crazy Yeah, it's cool, man. yeah he moved up like 6 months ago and just by chance we had some mutual friends they started training with me but uh no so when i when i said to my daughter she goes my my science teacher says that we need to go vegan cuz that's how you combat global warming i said what does your science teacher look like that's oh, what I, that's man. my first question and and my daughter kind of looks down and smiles she goes yeah she's like she's fat i said how fat she goes really really fat and i said okay do we take nutritional advice from people that are really really fat no fuck no so just erase that from your mind right now but that was one more thing i was like i just i gotta get her out of here yeah, I mean,
0: Unless you would take nutritional advice from her, if she said by if if your daughter would have said we eat a lot of meat at my house, and the teacher would have said, well, that's good. That's probably why you look like you're in such good shape. I'm vegan, and you can tell
1: I'm fat. That's some that's some <laughs> honest nutritional yeah, advice. Yeah, I right. mean that. No, and, and here's so, the weird yeah. thing about like veganism. It's like listen, <sighs> you can you can take any diet. You can take paleo. You can take carnivore. <sighs> you can take veganism. And you can make yourself real sick by eating a bunch of sugar and a bunch of bullshit, yep. you know? And it's like, you see these things like, Oh, well this is vegan. Well, Oreo fucking cookies are vegan. All right. Right. So right. The, the term vegan doesn't necessarily, it, it, it is not a sign of health. It's, it, it's just that you don't eat animal products and you can still fuck yourself up very bad. You know, you know, what's hard is
0: because I come from there. I come from, um, team liberal and team liberal has built its identity on not the truth but on not liking um team team uh republican yeah, and so sure. it's so hard it's so hard you want to do you want to do everything to stay on your it's so it's it's amazing now i just can't even fathom it right as i sit here and talk to you but but i I remember it just being so hard to like – I would be around these people. I was around Greg Glassman all the time every single day, and he would always – and he was a libertarian, and he would always say the left, the left. And as soon as he would say that, I would, I would start to cringe because my parents, I love them. They were from the left. You, you know, recently my um, – uh, y- did you heard um, – I want to talk about Cain Are you in a hurry to go? We're
1: approaching oh, 90 no. minutes.
0: Okay. No, if you have to, to take to a that piss, that. you can, you can always take and a piss.
1: As soon as you said that, I knew you were going to say Cam Velasquez. That's fucking bizarre. Oh, like, I, I want to talk.
0: I want to <laughs> I talk yeah. about that. Um, but um, uh, when Joe Biden said, um, uh, "Fund the police, don't defund the police," I don't know if you heard that in his State of the Union. Yeah, I, I did. sat back and I was tripping. I was like. How can he say that the, the, the cornerstone of the Democratic Party is to defund the police and was to, to destabilize everything and to basically like basically in my community in Santa Cruz, California and in many places in California, you can steal as long as it's not nine hundred and fifty dollars or more. It's crazy. It puts yeah. all small businesses out. And when he said fund the police. So I called one of my liberal friends and I was like very, very like my best liberal friend. And I said, hey, dude, did you hear that? And they go, what? And I go, Joe Biden just said, fund the police. Are you tripping? And they're like, no, that's cool. What do you mean? And I go, well, that's that's the cornerstone of your party. They go, no, it's not. You can't categorize us all as one. And I'm like, that's – to me, that's like saying you're Nazi, you're devote Nazi. But the one thing you don't like is that part where they take the Jews to the camp. I'm like, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. You, let's not – you can't start parsing in that shit. How – how is anyone a democrat after hearing him say that? I'm I'm tripping. Do you see it the way I am or do you see it the way my friend did that like
1: No, 100% I see it the way you see it. But, okay. And it goes back to I need someone not-
0: I love this person but I'm just like how the fuck every time I bring up something fucked up the democrats do like like did you see one more quick thing? Sorry. Did you see the CEO of Pfizer recently just said that the first two shots hardly work if at all? Okay. And I'm I like, know. wait, you just, you just made $38 billion selling Toyota Siennas. And now that we have them all at home, you're like, well, they don't work. You've got to bring them back to us so we can put new engines in them. I'm like, what? Yeah. Your shots don't work.
1: Well, it, and how, and here's how, the thing, how, do these people, why isn't everyone just like, hold on. Savon and Greg are right. Greg on, is the whole defund the police thing. Nobody, everybody knew what that would cause. Everybody knew that would cause chaos, and that would cause disorder, that would make crime skyrocket. Seattle, like petty theft and misdemeanor crime, it's the highest in the country. And we're doing all the same stupid shit that you're doing. Oh well, if it's this much, then you we're not even going to dispatch a police officer, and if it's that much, we're not going to prosecute. And, and and they see these criminals see exactly how the game is played, and then we decriminalize all drugs. And listen, Like I said, I'm a libertarian. I don't give a fuck what you put in your body, right? But when you put heroin in your body and then that causes you to put your tent right in front of my business and people can't walk in the door in the morning and you're pissing on my door. All right. Now your addiction and your choice to put this substance in your body is fucking my life over. And as soon as the citizens go ahead and do anything to try and and protect their own property or their own rights, now we're the fucking problem. And that's exactly what happened to Cain Velasquez, in my opinion. How
0: okay? So how do we know? So I will. I I can pretty much go anywhere in my brain, like anywhere like um you, you want to try to talk me into sucking dick i'm open go let's let's have the conversation you want to talk to me about going moving to mars because it's better than earth i'm open you want to talk to me about um quantum computers and about how they're about to make a sperm and an egg and ai is going to take oh, i'm open let's talk i might get you might scare me but i'm open there's one subject i'm not i w- will not consider i'm um, talking about in terms of you changing my mind and it's pedophilia I Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I believe that there's a very – someone's like, well, that 17-year-old girl. I don't care. I don't care how you justify it. There's a fucking line. It's 18 years old. Everyone do it. If you're a fucking grown-ass man and there's fucking three eighth-grade girls on the side of the street wearing their fucking booty shorts and their crop tops, look the fucking other way. Don't even fucking look at them. Don't look at kids. Don't talk to kids. Leave everyone's fucking kids alone. They're not your kids. Do not fuck with my kids. I will fucking – it will be horrible what happens to you. I will blow your your house shut and start it on fire now but 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 that being said how do we know that that guy really did that like from afar away everyone's like yeah can get him but like how do we know that that guy like are we gonna find out and and, and I, i'm so sorry for saying this about kane because i know he's a real person but are we gonna find out that really um this guy fucked kane's wife and had nothing to do with his daughter like how do we know from afar that this is like are we just witch hunters or are we just doing witch hunts
1: so if you
0: look Do you feel at You me on that? Like, like I don't want to yeah, fuck up. It's like this Ukrainian thing is the same way. All these um, people want to feel bad I, for I, Ukraine. Yeah. I don't want the Ukrainian people to die, but like, yo, 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 like I, I just watched Oliver Stone's documentary and motherfucker, like they're painting it like Putin's going after Nazis. And I'm like, well, that's a different perspective.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, and, and and it's good to stay curious and want more answers because it's easy to just get pulled by the narrative and like you're all in, right? Yeah. And I got, this I'm
0: Armenian, a- by the way, I, I, my family got here through a genocide and my wife's uh-huh. Jewish. So I'm really sensitive to like all that fake fuck the anti-racism. That's just pure racism. I'm really sensitive to Nazi shit. I'm really like, fuck you. Like my three Jew boys are knocking. I don't want them facing any of that shit. Uh-huh. And if you yeah. do bring that
1: shit, yeah. like we're going to get real quick. So this is what I, this is what I'd say about the Cain Alaska story is that yeah. the, The individual in question was arrested, and the DA is charging him. So, both law enforcement and the prosecutor, whatever their evidence is, have come to the conclusion that we have enough evidence against this guy to arrest him and charge him. So, that in itself means, and being a police officer, like that, if you have to have probable cause to arrest someone, that means, hey, I believe he did it as a police officer. I believe he did it. And I can articulate why I believe that he did it based on a, B and C. And I have these witness statements or I have surveillance footage. Like I have all of this stuff that has led me to draw this conclusion. Then you take, then you arrest that person, you present it to a prosecutor. They're going to review it. And the prosecutor, a lot of times will say, you know what? I don't think I have enough evidence to convict. So, We're not going to take this case, especially in Seattle. That happens all the time. No, this prosecutor goes, Yep, this looks good. We're going to push forward. He was arrested. He was arraigned. And the prosecutor even said, This guy's a danger to community and we want to request no bail. And the judge said, and this is how you know that the judge also agrees that there is a problem with this guy. Well, we're not going to keep him in custody, but we're going to put him in a halfway house. Okay. If you're going to put someone in a halfway house, that means because halfway houses are technically custody. And I've dealt with halfway houses a lot as a police officer. So the judge is saying, I'm in agreement that this guy did this, but I just don't think it's dangerous enough to keep him locked up in jail. So we're going to put him in a halfway house. Dude, a halfway house has no security. You can walk out the front door. A halfway house is more of an agreement that I'm in custody. And that I'm going to accept that this is where I need to stay until I go to court. Or sometimes I'll put you in a halfway house at the end of your sentence as well, right? Like, hey, you've shown good behavior. So now we're going to put you in exactly. It's it's halfway between being in custody and out of custody.
0: Is Are you talking specifically about this case? This guy was put into but a halfway house? house? No, hypothetically.
1: Okay. Yeah. But for the judge to put him in a halfway house, that tells me, Hey, she agrees that he is guilty of something yeah. and yeah. we are going to put this guy over here. And th- I think this is going to take care of him. Well, anyone that's worked in law enforcement knows people walk out of halfway houses literally mm. every day that, I mean, that's what they do. And so look at it from Kane's perspective. Hey, I went the legal route. Okay. I obviously like gave statements or whatever they needed to do to meet the needs of, of law enforcement to oh, develop. I didn't know that I didn't know that so that had happened already, oh yeah, yeah if this and I'm not saying that the statements came from Kane specifically, but other parents of the daycare, obviously an investigation before, place.
0: before Cain went after him, this, th- that had come that? out.
1: Because this guy was oh, I him. didn't
0: realize any of that. I was just picturing. Okay. So I don't know the details of the case. I pictured it. His daughter came home. She was crying. He said, what happened? And she, so, and so he's, he's been touching me for the last year. He got in his car and went and
1: shot the guy. Oh no. They, okay. The system, oh, okay. The system is in agreement with Kane. Okay. So the ball
0: was already started. So this had unfolded and he'd been sitting on this for a while pissed.
1: And then the judge said, you're free to go. Let's go to the halfway Mm -hmm. house. And Kane's like, fuck you. And and think about that. This dude molested your child over and over and over and over. You went the legal route and you thought that this guy would be going to jail. And then the judge says, actually, we're going to let him out. All right. I tried to do it your way, man. In a way, what do you think about charging the judge with the killing? Oh, for, I would fucking love to see that. I'm so sick of these fucking judges. The judge just, didn't
0: protect the judge didn't protect the molester. He should yeah. have kept him in jail.
1: <laughs> but <sighs> it, well, here's the unfortunate part is that Kane shot into the car and one of the bullets hit his dad, right? Hit the guy's dad. Yeah. yeah. So is that guy a guilty party? Um, Not technically under the law, but if you're picking up your pedophile son, uh, I don't have a lot of sympathy for you because I
0: saw, I saw you wrote that. I saw you wrote that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Fuck fuck you. You know, like if I found out that somebody that I was close with was touching four year old kids, you were fucking out of my life. Now I don't care if I'm a you or not. Yeah. Look at that, man. That's such a, and and here's the other thing, being a fighter and a jujitsu guy. Um, I don't, like I said in that post, I don't know Kane personally, but I have part training partners that have trained with him. Yeah. Everybody says the same thing, has a heart of gold, hardest worker in the room, super down to earth guy. And now this motherfucker is let out to touch our children. Like at what point do we start taking things into our own hands? You're going to, you're going to force people's hands and uh, man, we'll see where this goes. But I hope, I hope Kane invokes his right to a speedy trial and is found innocent because all it's going to take is one father on that jury to say, you know what? uh i'd have done the same fucking thing and then you got a hung Um, jury you got a hung jury at a minimum hopefully he's found innocent though that's what that's what we're hoping for
0: what happened to the guy what happened
1: to the molester dude is he is he in jail uh i don't know no i mean as far as i know he's probably in his halfway house (laughs) you know or he's probably in some kind of protected custody now he's got a bunch of pissed off people and it's a it's a a hot story so who knows what's going on with him but well,
0: c- caleb can you look up on um, the, the the term uh, crimes of passion
1: uh, do, 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 um do you remember how old are you you're 42 greg are you 41 are you gonna talk about the guy that was sitting at the phone booth and shot that dude at point blank range and walked remember that story
0: I don't, but I I don't, but I remember being a kid and hearing a story about a woman who caught her husband cheating on her and ran him over in a parking lot and killed him and she got off. Oh, shit. (laughs) And I remember thinking, wow, how, what the fuck?
1: Well, let me let let you in on a little secret about the judicial system. There is no such thing as innocent or guilty. What there is is... How do you articulate who you are as a person to the jury of your peers? Mm-hmm. And if you can make, and I've sat through a hundred trials as a deputy, that was part of my job. And I saw it over and over. If you can make the jury like you as a human being, right? And think that you are a good person, that is right. how you walk. That is how you walk. Because they don't want to put a good human being into a cage. And so. In my experience, like if you're charismatic and you speak to the jury and you can you can create trust with them, then you form this little relationship, and that's how you're found innocent. And because I've seen two guys, wow, I like the way you said that. I've seen two guys arrested together on the same case, but they weren't tried together because one of them invoked his right to a speedy trial, and the other one said he's going to waive his right to allow his counsel to build a better case, right? Uh The first guy was extremely charismatic. He was fun to be around. And the case was kind of bullshit to start with. Shocking. Uh, I'll let everybody in on a little secret. The FBI has a bunch of bullshit cases because I used to work with them on them and watch them unfold in real time. And the jury liked this guy right out of the gate. He would be like, the prosecution would be like, well, look at, you know, this is a fraud case. And, you know, you only made this much money last year, yet you were driving a Beamer, you know, and and how can you drive a Beamer if you only made $26,000? And he goes, does anyone want to see a picture of my Beamer? Because I'll show it to you. I said, and he goes, this prosecutor's over here trying to act like I'm living ro- lifestyles of the rich and famous. This is my Beamer. And it was like an old, dilapidated, broken down piece of shit. And all uh-huh. the laughing cuz they're like oh we're being played here. They're trying to act like this guy's a high roller. That's his car? Are you serious? That's the that's the beamer? That thing looks like it barely runs. And they all started laughing and I could see I told them I was like hey, you're getting the jury on your side. So, I think it's a bullshit case. So, I'm happy to like kind of coach you and tell you my perspective. He walked a free man, found not guilty of these fraud charges. His partner was found guilty. And got like 15 years in custody because the feds throw the book at you when it comes to sentencing. And I remember I I thought about that a lot because it's two guys that were charged with the same thing that were part of the same organization. One's rotting in a jail cell and one's free. And the only difference was one was fun and charismatic and the other was kind of a a overweight introvert. And it's like, man, the, the judicial system we have. I mean, I'm not saying that I could come up with something better. But it is absolutely flawed. I mean, it's, it's a human at the end of the day, it's decisions made by human beings. And that's they're just inherently flawed, you know? Are you against the death penalty? No. no? I, I want to fucking string people up all over the but, place.
0: But what do you do about that then? Like, so, and I, I really don't want to be mean. This, this is going to come across mean. I don't mean it as mean, but there's so many stupid people. And so, you when how do you know that, like, I mean, there's tons of dumb people, you know, that as a cop, it's like you you can't even believe some shit. Do you want to know? Isn't the the jury, aren't people going to be killed? Innocent people going to be killed if we have the death penalty?
1: I'll tell you this this is what they say. This is the saying that they say in the world of law enforcement. Do you know what a jury consists of? 12 people that were too dumb to figure out how to get out of jury duty. Yes, (laughs) yes, like that. That's scary, too, right? And so, I am not, obviously I sit here and I say the system's flawed and I say that, uh, what I just said is that, that it's people that can't figure out how to get out of jury duty. And when you see people that are convicted and sentenced to death, and then they find out through DNA 20 years later that it's wrong, that stuff's fucking horrifying. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And so I would say, I would say I would only reserve the death penalty for the cases that are like as fucking iron tight as you can have a case. And it's 100% clear. Like this guy beheaded this little boy and fucked him. Like, okay, I don't want this person on team human anymore. He shouldn't be part of planet earth. Let's fucking just get rid of him. But no, you're right. Everything's nuanced. There are no black and white. Right. And like, I agree with you. Like we see horrendous things happen in our judicial system where the wrong people get convicted, but I also think we need to let these monsters know that are attacking our children. I mean, I'll I'll tell you, like, I'm not going to give any names, but the older I get a lot of the girls that are very, very close to me that I've known my whole life in our thirties and forties, I'm finding out, Oh yeah, I grew up being molested. Oh yeah. I grew up being molested. Oh yeah. I grew up. And it's like, did, did every fucking girl I know grow up being molested? Is this just fucking normal part of life? Guess what? It's a lot more prevalent than we think that it is. And and, and a lot of these people that have opened up to me about it, they never said anything because they were little kids, six, seven, eight, nine years old. And they don't come to terms with it until they're 35, 40. There's monsters everywhere out there. And I would love to create a reality where if you're determined to be a fucking monster, we publicly hang you and we put it on pay-per-view. And,
0: uh, <laughs> uh, you know what That's I'd it. like to see on pay-per-view. I want to see Biden and Putin box.
1: <laughs> well, then, <laughs> you want to see Biden get his head knocked off. Cause Putin's a lifelong martial artist. <laughs> I know. Hey, you know, uh, funny. Too, I used to say this and I used to use Cain Velasquez as the example. I used to say, you know what we should do with these fucking, these pedophiles and with these, these people, we should do a pay-per-view event where they have to fight Cain Velasquez to the death. I used to say that. Cain is one of the the fittest heavyweights to ever exist. And he's a scary, scary person in the cage. And I've fought in the cage before. And I look at a guy like Cain Velasquez and I think, no fucking way, dude. No way. And so like, you want to generate money? Hey, you're going to get to watch Cain Velasquez fight the guy that molested his kids to the death two hundred dollar pay-per-view the fucking every household in america will be airing it
0: i i think um and i'm open to being wrong on this but but i i think that the um the fact that people are getting molested is not the issue it's the symptom and and i'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying but if we were going to take that route i would really want to address the issue and what do i mean by that I mean that uh, my friend Travis Bajen said this to me one time. He's a professional arm wrestler, big dude, three hundred pound, all juiced up, just fucking dope, prismatic, beautiful man. Right? His his son just won the uh, the Harlan Award as the best uh, Division two football player in the country as a junior, oh, wow. and his and his son and his younger son is um, the best high school quarterback alive today, and just an, am- an amazing father. Like when the world was telling this guy, hey, go out and get a job. He's like, fuck you. I'm raising my kids and I work at strip clubs at night. You know what I mean? Like this uh, dude's the shit. Yeah. He's like, he's actually a role model for me for a dad. He doesn't even know it. He's younger than me too. Yeah. This guy, such a good, loving human being. Anyway. Thanks. Yeah. He was one that Also taught me that if you weigh over, th- when he goes over 300 pounds, you have to, anyone who's over 300 pounds has to have a fan on them at all times. So like you need moving air on <laughs> you and he- He would, he's so funny. Anyway, he told me one time, he's like, if if a man does anything sexually that surprises you, you don't understand men. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really is true. So what we need is, is we need men to be men again and to take personal responsibility and accountability so that they're set up to succeed and not do that. Like I don't know what exactly what that looks like, but and I'm not saying that anyone should be uh, let off the hook for fucking abusing, sexually abusing people, but like this th- there's gotta be a, a greater issue here. Um uh what what's the saying? Idle the devil gives idle hands work.
1: Like idle hands, I, the devil's workshop.
0: Yeah. I don't, yeah. I I was driving through Kenya one time with Greg Glassman and on the, on the corner, there were like 20 dudes hanging out, all squatting down low, like Middle Eastern men. This was in Kenya, but they weren't Middle Eastern. They're black dudes, Kenyan dudes. And they're all squatting down low, hanging out. Right. You know what I mean? Like in that sitting posture position. And Greg goes, that's a fucking, and they were all like 18 years old. And Greg goes, that's a fucking big problem. And I go, what is, he goes, you never want to see fucking young dudes in society, not busy. And you mix that with fucking what Travis says, and you got a problem. Like, when a, by the time a boy's 12 to 35, that motherfucker needs to be kept busy.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, it, I mean, who knows all the contributing factors? But I think a big thing is that we don't really celebrate masculinity anymore. And like men filling the role of protector is actually something that's meaningful. Oh, and wow. Important. And I, I teach wow. it in my. Academy all the time. I'm like, guys, you might not hear this outside of the jiu-jitsu academy, but in uh, in uh, between these walls on these mats, these girls that are training with us, they have to show a higher amount of courage and and, and they have to and it's, they put themselves in a more vulnerable position than you have as a man to be here. Therefore, it is up to us to take care of these ladies. We can train hard with them and and we can give them good jujitsu, but we got to take care of them. We got to look out for these ladies. And I hear it all the time from the girls that train with us. They're like, we feel safe in your academy. And it's like the men and women's lives, I think they should go out of their way to make them feel safe. And we have lost our roles. I mean, men and women are different, period. They want to tell us that we're the same and that there's no differences. We're different. And I'm not saying one is better than the other but I feel like we're losing touch with celebrating both masculine and feminine energy. And part of the role of a man is to be the protector. Look out for the ladies in your life. And uh, that's how I've been wired my whole life. And it gets celebrated by most of the ladies in my life. And I'm not even talking about just my wife and my daughters, but girls that are friends with us and that are within our circle. I hear it all the time. Man, when we, when we're with you, we feel safe. And it's like, you need to figure out a way to make the women in your life feel safe. And that that falls on all of us. That's not my role. That's I feel like that's every man's role in society. And if more people would embrace that, we would probably have less people being victimized. But
0: what a great I'm not a big fan of um, the I, for, I because I fucking hate the word gender and it's misused. I only believe in sex, cock and balls, vagina and a small percentage that have both. And when it's uh-huh. conflated with gender, I fucking can't stand it. I had to correct my guest yesterday um, uh, because gender is your imagination. And I don't even know what my gender is because I don't even think about it, nor do I give a fuck. I just know that I'm a man. But if I were to go down that, I really like that as the definitive quality of a man. And you told some story. It's interesting. A man is there to protect the tribe and women are there to protect men from themselves. Kind of like my wife and your wife. Like before I go on the podcast, my wife would be like, Hey, you know, the racism talk, like I get really upset. Like, like when people say N word, I'm like, Hey, you're a fucking bitch. If you, if you need to say that word, don't say N word. Say the fucking word. I listen to 100%. it 100 times every day when I sing songs, and I sing it out loud every time. So fuck up. Well, I was like, ah, can you tone that down a little bit? I, that, that's scary. You know what I mean? She's looking out for me. But my job, in the she's protecting me from me, just yeah. like your wife protected you from you when she sped by that guy. But your yeah. job is to protect her, and I and I really like this. And same thing with my kids. My wife is there to protect my sons from me you know i'm you you know what i mean like i'll fucking snap on someone and carry them to their room and she's got to be like yo yo i got this you know (laughs) and i'm like okay good um but uh yeah that is it what a great definition smooth definition for a man your job and then you would probably hurt you know then how built into that believing that men are to protect people built into that is, is don't hurt people Don't rob them, don't steal from them, don't punch them, don't molest them, don't do anything that's against their will. Yeah, that's a
1: great definitive characteristic of man. And this is where, and I know I'm biased because I run a jiu-jitsu academy, but a lot of personality traits and characteristics can be honed on the mat. And if you teach people about these things and you put them in an environment where they get to actually implement them, like I see it in the little kids already. Like the little kids like taking care of the girls, you know, and the ones that don't know how to do it yet. I'll talk to them and be like, Hey, I saw you hit a throw and you threw her as hard as you could. Okay. If you want to throw him as hard as you can, that probably makes sense, but she's three years younger than you. And this is her second class. Why would you, why would you think that that's okay and start making them think and and, and ruminate on these different perspectives. And Man, I'm telling why you. Why don't you – why do you have to say that to some kids? You've really touched on a really fucking sensitive point
0: with me. My kids are fucking great. If there's a new kid in the fucking academy, the teachers always put him with my fucking seven-year-old gray belt. He's been there three yeah. years. He lets fucking everyone do everything to him. But there's always some fucking asshole fucking kid who's like 80 or 90 pounds who thinks he's going to go after who, – my who, who's nine years old who's going to go after my son who's 50 pounds and seven. And it's like, I, think, I just like, I would, my kid would never do that to your six year old, like, no fucking way.
1: I think a lot of people, and I don't even say children, because I see yeah. this in the adult class too. When they are shown their deficiencies and you shine a spotlight on their deficiencies, they get combative and they get aggressive and they, they they they're taking these efficiencies and they're attaching like personal emotions to them instead of detaching and saying, "Hey, you know what? This girl just kicked my ass because she has better jujitsu than me. So what should I do? I probably need to get better jujitsu." No, they allow frustration and anger to be the emotions that surface, and then their behavior is a reflection of those emotions. And so you see it on the mats all the time. I'll see a, a new guy come into jujitsu, especially like if it's a young police officer or something. And I'll have like a 23-year-old girl just tie him in a knot. And a lot of times, that's a hard pill for a man to swallow. And so I would say like if you're grunting on the mats, if you're trying to push someone off you and hur, 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 like all that shit, you're out of touch with how you should be training because you're allowing the emotions to dictate your behavior. That stuff is usually a result of having the improper emotions And instead of applying the correct emotions, where again, like to go back to, let's figure out how to find comfort in an uncomfortable situation. Now I'm going to try and dissect this with logic and with technique, but that's what jujitsu teaches you. And if you don't, if you don't adopt that approach, you're going to be getting strangled all the time by girls. And so like my daughter's 12, she's a gray belt as well. And she beats up 14, 15 year old boys regularly. Sweeps them, get on top of them, arm bars them, and it's like that's a tough pill to swallow. And I think about when I was a fifteen-year-old kid skating after school every day, getting in fights with other dumb skater kids. If I went to some academy and I put on a a a bathrobe, and some twelve-year-old girl started strangling me, and that's a that's a tough pill to swallow. And people do one of two things with it: they either accept this as reality, and I'm going to need to change my, my path and, and develop capability and become better, or I'm going to allow it to become, to frustrate me and I'm going to interject ego and I'm going to have problems with it. And, uh, you know, jujitsu, either you either change or you see yourself, you see your way out, but, you know, that's the only two options.
0: By, by that, you mean you stop, you don't yeah. be a
1: practitioner anymore. Okay. Yep. Yeah. There's people that, that I've seen happen plenty of times where it's so uncomfortable, that they're like you know what i'm just basically i'm just going to hide from this cuz like joe rogan always says you can't be full of shit when you're on the mats when you're on the mats you ha- there's a pecking order and i don't say that with like negative connotations like no when, no when we're on the mats it's like i i generally have a pretty good idea of who i can smash who can smash me and so does everybody else down the line and once you kind of know where you fit in with a group of people it's actually comforting it's like Okay, I know I know my place. I know who I know what I can bring to the table. I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses, and so does everybody else in the room. Would and you just, roll would
0: you roll with a blue belt or a white belt and let them tap you 10 times in a row?
1: Um, I roll with my blue belts and my white belts all the time, but this is what I tell them. I'll let you work, but I won't let you finish me. And that the reason I say that is because if you finish me, I want you to know that you earned it. And I got, I got put to sleep by one of my white belts mm, six months ago. And at the end of class, when everybody's lined up, I brought him up and I told the whole class, like Evan is 17 years old and he put a black belt to sleep tonight. And the reason that I'm saying this in front of all 35 of you is because there's a lot of black belts out there that if they get caught, they try and hide from it. Or they try and say, Hey, you know, I was letting you work. And then, you know, And and in my opinion, you are taking away from that person's accomplishment. And so I want my 100% you are 100% you are. I want you to know that if you submit me as your coach, you earned it. And I'm proud of you. Like you didn't get get good enough jujitsu to submit me by chance. You got good enough jujitsu to submit me because you've been showing up. You've been putting in the work. And on any given day, I don't care who you are. Like, if somebody uses the right technique against you and you fail to see it coming and you don't implement the correct defense, you're going to get caught. That's what makes this so fascinating. It's a lifelong journey to continuously get better and hone your techniques. And I don't understand why a lot of practitioners want to hide from losses. Like, that's part of the game, you know? Uh, Gordon Ryan says it all the time. And I'm still, I'm still trying to, hone this and develop it to even a higher level to where I'm a hundred percent comfortable just getting submitted by anyone at any time. Cause I'm not there yet. I'm the first to admit it. I want to win when I roll. But Gordon Ryan, who's arguably the best Nogi grappler ever. He says he gets submitted 20 times a night. And he goes, I get submitted 20 times a night because I'm constantly putting myself in extremely dangerous situations. And then I figure out how to work out of them. But part of doing that, is you're going to start getting caught a lot more too.
0: You know, I had, um, uh, do do you watch UFC?
1: Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I had Alexander Volkanovsky on the show. Oh, nice. And, and, uh, and, um, 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 and and you remember Brian Ortega had him in that rear, I think it was a rear naked choke. That's what you guys call that. Right. Uh huh. He said that he may even went to B team and done it. He may have even went, I can't remember where he went. He went somewhere crazy. And that's all they practiced. Okay, put Alexander in the deepest fucking rear naked choke you can. And they would start like that with them and try to choke him out. And and, and he just he practiced that and practiced that and practiced that. And it paid off when he went against Brian Ortega.
1: Yeah, because Brian Ortega's good at squeezing necks. That's you know, that's one of his strong suits. So no, that's a smart, that's a smart approach to fighting him. Because if you're fighting Brian. And Ortega, you're going to get put in a guillotine or, or RNC, like that's going to happen probably.
0: And so the humility that it takes on Alexander Volkanovsky to do that, right? Okay, yeah. uh, okay, Nikki, go ahead, fucking get behind me. You outweigh me by seventy pounds and sink it in as deep as you can. No matter what, don't let go. <laughs> yeah, like cool, oh, fuck i i don't practice jujitsu i have this excuse my, i have a really fucked up back and, and um, i was deadlifting a, like a few I've, I've always had a pretty fucked up back but when i was uh, uh three years ago i heard it so bad one time that i couldn't like move for like three days and i go i can never fucking risk that ever again while i have kids so like i just yeah. i just all, cut all my weights in half and I, I train like a motherfucker but i don't do it and i'm kind of bummed
1: but um well, but i, I gotta- have heard that go ahead yeah, you just gotta be honest with yourself. And I tell people all the time when they're when they're considering signing up for jujitsu, just know part of doing this, like if you're training jujitsu, something hurts. Period. Yeah. Get
0: I don't mind something time. hurting. I don't want my back to seize out there, and that's yeah. it. Then I'm fucking fucking can't drive the kids around in the van for four days. And yeah, I haven't it had, had it problem. happen to me in three years, knock on wood, but it is fucked up when it happens.
1: Bro, and I'll tell you this, and I say uh-huh. this that most jujitsu practitioners don't say this. Uh-huh. My jujitsu has an expiration date. Like I know mm-hmm. that and I'm okay with that. This is going to be a journey that I'm all in on. And I have been for 19 years now, but at the at the same time, like walking up and down the stairs is hard for me now. And I'm 41, you know, I just had a bunch of, uh, uh, stem cell treatment in my knees. And I actually think it's, I working. saw
0: that in Texas, right? You went to Texas.
1: And, and uh, but At some point when my body, when it, when it starts to be diminishing returns, right? It's like, if going to jujitsu makes me feel worse than feeling better, then maybe it's time to focus on yoga and do a new, like in my seventies or sixties, or whenever that day comes, start a new journey. And I'm okay with that. I just know that the way that I train now is not sustainable. So it either needs to drastically change, or maybe I move on to something else. Yeah, that's a That's an interesting picture because my orthopedic surgeon said I needed new knees. And when I posted that, I had a bunch of doctors write me and they're like, uh, your knees actually look pretty good. Like they're fucked up, but they're nowhere near needing a replacement. And it's like, trust your instincts, you know? And my yes, doctor said, yes, that. yes. When the doctor said that I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like I'm, I was 38 at the time. Why would I need, why would I need new knees? Even though I'm in pain, And, uh, he was just very reluctant to agree to any other treatments because he's a surgeon. What does he want to do? He wants to cut you, you know?
0: Um, are you friends with any of the guys at the, at the police, at the police station anymore where where you came from?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yep.
0: And, and, and they realize that, that you don't judge them. You realize that they realize that, you know, that everyone's on their own
1: journey and they do what they do and you do what you do. For sure. Initially it was, it, it kind of hurt a couple relationships. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of them felt like, and, and there were some of them that even felt like I did it on purpose just to create an exit strategy. And it's like everybody kind of came up with their own little theories and it affected yeah. some relationships for sure. And yeah. then some people were jealous too, because they saw that I made the escape and that it's working out for me. And yeah they're still stuck in the grind and they hate it, you know, but I always say like the option to step up and be yourself and speak your truth. That's available to all you guys. So don't be fucking mad at me because I did it and it worked out, you know,
0: when I, um, when, so, uh, when greg sold crossfit there was an article in the new york times and it painted me in a really negative light and of course it was it was all ambigu- ambiguities none of it was true and anyone could go to and, and check the source that they got it from and see that it's not true or or, or make their own judgment on it instead they just read the article and then in the, in the incoming ceo eric rose told some of the staff is this guy going to resign so basically i knew that i was fucked from day one because he this guy's woke as fuck and he read the uh, article and instead of like addressing me directly or checking the podcast that was being referenced that I did um he uh he said is this guy gonna resign and when I when I did get fired finally um I could tell like I could tell like my friends who worked there were scared for me like you know what I mean like I I I felt the it was an interesting way the way they showed their love for me they it's a trip it comes in different forms right some people are like it comes in different forms, but, it, but it's not, it's not easy for the people. Um, it's not easy for the people around you too. When you get fired, they're trying to figure out what story to tell themselves. Um, but I, but I will say this, it, it didn't take long before, man, I felt so free. Did you feel that feeling? Like all of a sudden I was like, oh. I like, I didn't even I know that there know, was like a 50 pound weight on my chest and then it was gone.
1: percent. I tell cops all the time. I said, if you walk away from the profession. You feel a metaphoric and a, and a literal weight come off you because my vest was like 37 pounds or something crazy, right? Like we're adding new stuff to the vest every single day. Oh, you need to start carrying a taser. You need to start carrying Narcan. Oh, now you need body armor. You need this. You need that. And bro, like I, my department's 12 hour shifts. And and by the end of it, you just feel beaten down by sitting in a patrol car all day. But it's not only the physical weight of the job, it's the emotional weight of the job. Because as a patrol officer, what are you doing? You are getting dispatched to problems. You don't get a call because someone wants to say something positive to you. You get a call because someone just broke into a car. Someone's using drugs on the side of the road. Somebody touched a kid and on and on and on. And you don't realize until you walk away what it's doing to your soul being surrounded by negativity all day, every day. And I'll tell you this too. It's not only the job, but even in within the job, this cop bitching about that cop, this cop mad about his Sergeant, this chief just fucked me. And man, I only got two more years until retirement. And it's like a lot of police officers are in a very dark place. And so when you're at work, you're surrounded by that darkness. And this is what I tell cops all the time. I've yet to meet the cop that's been doing the job for more than a decade and is still like vibrant and passionate about it and loves ah. putting the uniform on. I honestly think law enforcement should be a 10-year career from 25 to 35. Like young guys still figuring it out, still want to run and gun and get after yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean some of the specialized units when you're talking about detectives and, and homicide and stuff sure you can have some of your older cops there that have more experience that are that are more proficient in investigations but being a beat cop walking the pat- or driving the patrol like i don't think there's longevity in that i think we should figure out a way to if this is a career people want to chase put them in that for 10 years and then there's some type of natural progression where you still, you get your, you get your, uh, your pension you still get to hit retirement and all that stuff that people are chasing. But maybe after your 10 years of on patrol, we shift you to something different. And I don't necessarily know what that is, but it, it I mean, that there's a reason why most police officers statistically die within five years of retirement. It's because you've done 25 years with nothing but cortisol filling your fucking veins and then right, you retire, right. out of heart, you know? Right. So it's, a sad, it's a sad career. And very. And you few- make
0: it to 10 years and you want to make it to the end, right? So you kind of just like, you do those, the first 10 you do with the smile on your face and the last 10, yep. you're just like, fuck. I, you know, I have a lot of friends in law enforcement and in um, firefighters, especially now, who like have expressed that to me. I'm fucking, can't wait till this
1: is fucking over. And I'm like,
0: oh Bro, man, that sucks.
1: I hear it every day. And I hear yeah. cops say, man, I only got, I got seven years till retirement. And I'm like, yeah, think about your life. Seven years, you're going to give seven years to something that you're not passionate about anymore, something that you think is hindering your growth and hindering your your soul. Seven years just to get a paycheck after that? Like, guys, you can do fucking anything you want in this world. And there's a good chance that whatever your retirement pension is going to be, you can figure out something else that'll meet or exceed that. You just have to be willing to fucking try it. But again, to go back to what I said, like I've been around death enough as a young man to know that this experience on Uh-oh. earth, is it is finite and your lights are going to get turned off one day. And is that going to happen tomorrow? Or is that going to happen in 40 years? I don't know, but I'm not going to live in a manner where I accept the next decade of my life is going to suck. Like it doesn't make any sense, but a lot of people are content doing that. And it's, it's sad, man
0: jacob thank you madam 17 years that's fucking amazing
1: good job yeah. dude. thank you that's fucking rad and, and and obviously like i always say i always give this caveat too i was a police officer or in law enforcement in los angeles and seattle so very left-wing progressive cities and most police officers hold what I would say uh, conservative values. And so a lot of, a lot of cops in those cities are constant conflict. But if you're a police officer somewhere in Texas or whatever, like I've heard people be like, reach out to me and be like, bro, no, 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 no. Like, man, I love my department and I love my community. Like when you're on patrol in Seattle, everyone's looking at you kind of sideways. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, dude, through. any any city that
0: lets the fucking people take over a police station like what happened in Ferguson or what happens in Seattle, that, that's <laughs> fucking complete horseshit. They yeah. fucking lit a police department on fire with policemen in it who had to be rescued from the roof. Those people who this isn't fucking 1850. Those people should be fucking taken out and having the shit beat out of them. you. I don't care who's in the building unless 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 they fucking touched your kids you do not fucking light a building on fire with people inside this is this is so gross
1: no insanity my friends like i said my my thing took place right before the george floyd incident so i didn't have a front row seat to the riots but my buddies were downtown seattle having molotov cocktails thrown at them and stuff oh And, and meanwhile our our city council and our mayor is just like oh no it's the summer of love it's all good and it's like it, it's really hard to maintain like a positive outlook as a p- patrol officer in a city where your actual city leadership will turn it back on you in a moment's notice and insane. that's just, yeah that's insane man
0: insane i i do i think that um I I think what we we get, what we expect from our public servants. I don't think, uh, no, it's nuts that they did $700 million damage to Ferguson. It is nuts. It's nuts that people were allowed to do $30 million damage to the Capitol building. It's nuts. It's nuts that people were, that, that the, the police there didn't use the four. I don't. I don't care if you're fucking who you are. No one should be getting close even to fucking that bag of trash. AOC. Like these are our public servants. No one should be allowed to hurt a cop at all. You. That's man. I. I I'm so. I. They should. In, in my my mind, they should always be given the benefit of the doubt. Police officers always, always, always. There are public servants. We've asked them to put put in harm's way. This poor fucking lady who pulled her fucking taser instead of her fucking gun, and she's oh, been on the man. force for over 20 years, and she's in jail. This is – who the fuck does that? The but, guy with – it's not like he, she didn't shoot a fucking baby. She shoot, shot a fucking criminal.
1: <laughs> there's There's so many different layers to that, though, to unpack.
0: I hope all of you who celebrated George Floyd – oh, my wife's going to be so angry if I say this i hope all of you that celebrated george floyd i hope at some point um one of your loved ones has uh, who's pregnant has a gun put to their stomach
1: yeah and gets mugged yeah it's bizarre you know
0: that if you put a gun to a pregnant woman's stomach that baby and that woman will never be the fucking same forever and ever and ever and ever and never ever you don't recover from that this isn't fucking malcolm x malcolm x went to fucking jail and fucking read the dictionary and wrote every word in the dictionary on a piece of paper and reformed himself. This isn't Malcolm X.
2: Yeah.
0: You want to fucking, you want to have a fucking hero. Malcolm X is your fucking hero, not fucking George Floyd. They have a fucking statue of fucking George Floyd. I made this post. I don't know if you ever saw it, but, Someone, I, I said on the air that they made a post of George, they they made a bronze statue of George Floyd sitting on a bench. It's like in Baltimore somewhere. And I go, Hey, you know what they really need to do is they need to make a statue of George Floyd with a gun on a pregnant woman's stomach.
1: And someone actually Photoshopped that in
0: (laughs) and I posted it on my Instagram. I'm like, come on guys.
1: No, it's weird who they want to make, who they choose to be their heroes you know,
0: oh, it, it breaks my it breaks my fucking heart. it hey, no i I don't believe for a second for if you if you want to look at the life through demographic of skin color, I don't believe for a second that the black community in in the vast majority or even close views George floyd as a hero. I don't I don't think one I, I don't believe it. I can't believe
1: no, it. I mean in my opinion, I can't it believe it on, It depends on how far down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole you want to go but they just blew that incident up to cause instability to make everybody hate police officers. And it worked perfectly. Our country. Yes, 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 yes. Months and months and months. And it was right as the COVID narrative was getting pushed down everybody's throat. Then they took an incident over here and made everybody hate cops. And then they used cops as their henchmen for a lot of their bullshit. And it's like, guys, can't you see they're, they're, they're pitting, they're using the media to pit us against each other. And man, I just wish there was a way to unify the profession with the community. And I mean, we'll see. Me too. We'll
0: see I have to peace so bad, but there's two, two things I want to ask you still two, two oh, crazy things. Um, Caleb, can you pull up that airplane that's being de-iced on his Instagram account? I think there's a link in the, um, <laughs> there's a that's link. Old. Yeah. Is that, is that true that it costs
1: $10,000 to de-ice a plane? That's what we were told. Cause part of our jurisdiction for the port of Seattle is yeah. Seattle Tacoma international airport. So we we're in the airport all the time at an office in the airport. And, uh, yeah, that's what I was told by when we were out watching the planes get de-iced. But here's the crazy thing. Once they're de-iced, they have like a small window to take off. and if they yeah. miss them, They have to go through the procedure again, so.
0: That's exactly what I was going to tell you. I was in Chicago. Every single flight canceled. The airport's fucking packed. But I'm getting on a flight to India, and literally thousands of flights canceled. Mine's not canceled. I'm like, this this is scaring the shit out of me. I'm looking out the window, and it's it's snowing sideways, you know, because the wind's blowing so hard. And I'm yeah. like, oh, fuck, I don't like this at all. And I get on the plane. It's a big old fucking double-decker, 747. And I'm like, hey, uh, why is this the only flight that's fucking leaving here? And she's all, because there's people in India who need to come back. I'm like, ah. Uh, yeah, that's I not the end. We're for. <laughs> <laughs> so so we, we cruise out there onto the – they de the plane, and we cruise out there onto the tarmac. And the pilot gets on and says, hey, we're turning back. There's a 10 or 15 minute window that we have to take off before the plane, the plane has to be de-iced again. And we didn't get off in time. I'm like, this
1: is fucking horrible. That I think I would have just got off.
0: (laughs) They turn the plane back around. They de-iced it again. And we go back out out there onto the tarmac. And as we take off, I look over and I can see the stewardesses are holding hands. Oh,
1: shit, dude. I'm
0: like, this is so fucked. But we got off, and literally within 30 seconds of getting off the ground, blue skies. We, yeah, I mean, it was, it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and it was pitch dark because of the storm. And we got yeah. up, and it was fucking, I was like, yeah, baby. <laughs> 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 Next stop, Mumbai. <laughs> um, oh, okay, 10 grand. Wow, that's not cheap. What was my other question? Shit, I lost it. I forgot it. Public. I wanted to talk about public breastfeeding. Oh, okay, let's do this. Will you pull that shirt up? We'll we'll leave. We'll leave on a sour note. We'll, I'll be really aggressive towards Greg here. You guys will like this. Look at this shirt. This guy fucking claims that this is his bish, best favorite shirt. This is many years ago, people. Do you still own this shirt? When I see a hand like this, I just think of racist, sexist, homophobic <laughs> commies. Man, this shirt that. and look at me digging through your shit. I'm like, okay, if this guy gets out of line, I'm bringing this shirt up.
1: So you see what it says? It says CrossFit Lake Stevens summer scuffle. Okay. So that was a CrossFit event at our gym. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I don't run the CrossFit side of the house. I run the jujitsu side of the house.
0: <laughs> well, you but tell that way. guy he needs a new logo because that one triggers my, li- I got still a little bit of liberal in me and that triggers me.
1: Look that is that, Every time I like, 268 weeks ago that was before i think that was before that that symbol meant anything
0: <laughs> you're a reformed man oh they took it from <laughs> you okay good all right, all right all right that is that's what yeah, is that six is. Don't, years don't,
1: ago don't take down i'm gonna take a picture of this and uh-huh. then i'm gonna re- i'm gonna send this to the person that made this shirt and be like bro i'm catching flack from your shirt 268 <laughs> weeks later <laughs>
0: Oh, I still have a little liberal in me, hunting people down for their past, for their past. Greg, thank you. Yeah. Really, I've always wanted to have you on. It's so exciting. I like, I followed your story from the beginning. I was like, wow, wouldn't it be cool if I could talk to this guy and meet this guy?
1: Bro, that's been one of the most exciting parts of this whole journey is just connecting with all these different people across the United States. And especially now that we have the technology to facilitate this just sitting down and having conversations with people. You don't realize how important that is until you start doing it more and more often. And I tell people all the time, like I would do my podcast. If it generated $0, because when in life do we sit down and talk with another human being for two, three hours at a time, it's not really part of what we do anymore, but it feels good. And it helps you gain perspective, helps you learn about other people. And, uh, man, I just recommend like, take the time to have conversations. Don't worry about if we're going to put it out on YouTube or not. Like do this with people in your community, do this with people on your jujitsu team. And it's, it it touches you in a primal way for sure. Well, thank you.
0: I've come a long way. Thanks to people like you. I appreciate it. Caleb. Thank you. All right.